Hello, and welcome to episode 198 of Flicks in a Six, a weekly-ish podcast hosted by two cousins where we have a beer and chat about all things from hops to Krugers, all before diving into our flick of the week where we celebrate our shared love of film. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the wizarding world of hops, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Hang the kelp, why? On this week's episode, Hocus Pocus 2, The Glass Onion, Kyo Reboot, a big ass cheese it, all before diving into our flick of the week, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, was that from the movie, your quote? No, so if you recall last week when we did the intro, I said, oh fuck, I have something down here and I don't remember what it's from. I think it's from the other movie. But I could not, for the life of me, place what it was from. So I looked up, I literally just typed in what I have <laughs> written down. Because I, I wrote those notes like almost a month ago. So I right, I, I just typed it in Google like what like just that sentence, and it was from Severance. It was from the episode when the sister is giving birth. Okay, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot all about that whole like all of that ridiculousness and how great it. I love. I love the brother-in-law. Yeah, I know we talked about him the last time, not last week, but the, the episode before that. Uh, we talked about him and all that ridiculousness. And I, uh, I mentioned that I'd seen that episode. And then the next episode where um, the any Mark, Mark S. has uh, Mark. the brother-in-law's book and is reading the book and how god-awful the book is. But also yes. somehow he kind of sort of gets it right, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the best part. Like It's like you don't want to give him credit because of how up its own ass it is. It's an well, the problem is he, he's falling into the right answer is Bass Ackwards. Like, it's like... Bass, like yeah. <laughs> Bass Ackwards is one that I haven't heard in a long time. I, I always phrase. liked that one. It you is. You gotta keep that tucked up your sleeve. You know what? You know why? It's because it doesn't... It's a sneak... It's a sneak attack. Yes. You don't... You're. It's like when you read a word when the first and last letter are in the right spot and everything else is wrong, but you it's can jumbled, read it. Yeah. You just go through it. You just power right through without a second guess. And then, oh, no, your, your brain you're just actually hit flags. with a poison stinger. <laughs> and then you just, like, fall over later. <laughs> I was thinking more like, like, your brain just flags. is like, no, that's not right. I know what yeah. I know what he means, but that's not right. And that was your brain's like, oh, yeah, I don't whoa, whoa, like whoa, whoa, it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back it up. Back it up. <laughs> can, can we revisit that for a second? I feel like we need to revisit that. <laughs> Man, uh, what are we drinking? Um, well, it's slightly out of season, but that's okay. Um, we're it's drinking... cold down here. Okay. That, that's fair. Um, we're drinking Rogue Chocolate Stout Nitro. It's stout with natural chocolate flavoring added. This beer is a ripoff. It's 13.65 fluid ounces. Um, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Um, What's that about? It's, I, it, I'm guessing in the, the thing process, inside. I'm guessing in the problem, well, it doesn't have one of those little, like, the ball things like the, the Guinness has, but I'm guessing the nitrogenation. Um, no, it's got it's got something in there. Sure? Yeah, it's not a ball. But oh, it's a, got that, yeah, it's a it, little um, it insert is a device. attached to the bottom. It, it looks like, thank God it's not that, but it looks like one of those, like, ant killer things, like, you know, that you put in, like, the corner. Oh, yeah, it 100% room. looks like an ant bait. Yeah. Yes. Like the, the, well, the road trip this will be our last show. <laughs> it's a little white one of those things underneath. So yeah, I was saying, there's got to be something that's to do with the nitrogen that displaces, um, you know, less, you know, more, more of the beer, so it doesn't have the full volume. 
Of course, they can yeah. just give you a bigger can, but why would they do that? Um, dedicated to sweet release and tiny bubbles. Dare, risk, dream. Chocolate Stout Nitro is ebony in color. Pours of that sounds. Sorry, hang on. That sounds like it would be the title of one of those like HBO mockumentaries. Ebony in color. No, dare risk dream. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or ebony in color. <laughs> oh man, go on. <laughs> it pours a velvety smooth and creamy head that cascades into a robust earthy body giving way to a rich chocolate truffle finish that I hate I hate I love that sentence in equal measure. I don't like it. I don't like a lot of that earthy. I don't want earthy truffles. I wanted chocolate. Yeah, no, there shouldn't be any mushroom in this. Um drink it straight out of the can or to see the cascade tiny bubbles open it and quickly turn it upside down over a glass. Enjoy the show. Uh listener Hearing Anthony talk through the process and then witnessing the process of that was hilarious. <laughs> but like, oh, it's still, I'm still not pour it over a glass. That's not how yeah, you I say mean, that. You pour it into a glass. Well, sort of no, pour but the, it over the glass. I would think the glass is maybe, I don't know, upside down. So, so if you watch, it doesn't say pour it over a glass. It says turn it upside down over a glass because they want you to invert it and open it directly over the glass. So it pours turn it upside down over it. Wow, okay, so this is on me. I just was not yes. reading that right. Well, no, no. You, you, what your brain processes is what you, what you thought the conventional explanation of what you should be doing, but you typically pour a beer somewhere at the 90 to 45 degree angle perpendicular yeah. to the glass. And this is like, no, no, parallel, 180 degrees. Yeah, yeah. Get that shit straight up and down. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, well, that pairs with thing. what now? No, oh, it yeah. doesn't. No, no, hang on. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's 5.8% alcohol by volume. There's 69 IBUs. That's pretty nice. 125 SRM. Um, at the tips of the five-pointed star, the profile of tastes in this are bitter, roast, chocolate, sweet, and malt. Wait a Food minute. Is that, like which, a, is that like a graphic of how much of each thing, and it's a little bit more chocolate than those other things? It looks like... No, because all of, the, all of them are equal. Except for the chocolate. Oh shit! Sorry, I didn't notice that, that only had one thing. So yeah, yeah, those uh, those bars are meant to show how much relative. Well, all one, three, two, oh, the, three, the other four. four are equal, and then the chocolate is one more. So it's got three chocolate thuckles. Um, no, four out of five. Four, thuckles. four thuckles. Four to five. Well, it looks like a maximum of five, right? Yeah. So if we were to split that, and you could half fill the star, then we can get to our double thuckle system. Basically, what this is telling me is that it's 80% chocolate, 60% sweet, 60% malt, 60% bitter, and 60% roast. <laughs> it's just math. <laughs> Which, as we all know, adds up to 320% delicious. <laughs> um, uh, I love that. Uh, we, have not, we have noted now for the last year or two that we enjoy when a beer suggests to you a pairing of yep. food and beer. And so this one says to pair it with aged cheddar. Pot roast or vanilla ice cream. And I'm choosing to say or because I hope it's not suggesting I have all three of those at the same time. That's a weird meal. A little charcuterie before, beforehand. Oh, is this like pot a, roast? No, no, no. You know how some people like apple pie with vanilla ice cream and some people like it with a slice of hot or melted cheddar. And this is just replacing the pie with the pot roast. So you're going to put the pot Wait, roast, you're going to melt the cheddar. Well, uh, hang on. No, nope. Back that no, up. Let me finish the for... thought, then we'll go there. 
we're going to put the pot roast, you're going to melt the cheddar, yeah. and then you're going to put a dollop of ice cream on top of it. Sip this beer. Or maybe pour it like gravy? Pot <laughs> roast? Stop. Gravy? Stop this. Stop this nonsense. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not for me. It's not for me, but that is absolutely a thing. Uh, melted cheddar on apple pie, yeah. I... Sorry, I think it's psychotic. Nat thing flying around in front of me. The, I um. I think no, it's psychotic. No, I've never heard it's, that. It's a thing. Absolutely, yeah. I haven't have to look this up. Apple pie. I have some aged cheddar upstairs. I had some aged cheddar up until like four hours ago. No cheese, specifically sharp cheddar, has been served yep. with apple pie in the U.S. for a long time, as early as the 1800s. I don't know. It was that long? But a long time, yeah. Oh, God, what is this going to say? Ugh. I hate, I hate, sometimes I really hate my, the guy. My dad likes it. I think it's insane. Why? 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 But the combination was likely born in England in the 17th century. Of course. they Tradition of it. using dairy-based sauces and pies evolved into an affinity for topping pies with cheese instead. See, if it's a really it's, good apple pie, I just want it on its own, but I will not turn down a dollop of ice cream or whipped cream with it. Sure. But I... Uh, <laughs> tradition of using dairy-based sauces in pies to me implies like one of the or or like one of those like non-dessert pies, like a almost like a quiche or or something. Well, you think more like a savory pie, like a yeah, uh, yeah, 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 shepherd, yeah, shepherd's pie or something. A shepherd's like pie, yes. Cheddar cheese on a shepherd's pie all day. <laughs> but uh, on an apple pie, I uh, I th- I think that's a hate crime. That's <laughs> not right. Doesn't seem right. I hate it, and it's a crime. <laughs> that doesn't make it a hate crime. It does not. What, what was Is that? that not the that same thing. <laughs> that was from something, wasn't it? I don't know. It that was definitely My was that from Parks and Rec or something like that. Like the, someone said, like this is a hate crime, and like no, it's not. And he goes, well, I hate it, and it's a and it should be a crime <laughs> I, or something like that. <laughs> was it? I, I, am I, if it am is, I, totally, I don't remember. Am I totally making this up? But I feel like that wasn't that. Isn't that Paul Rudd on Parks and Rec? That sounds like it could be Paul Rudd on Parks and Rec. Right? Yeah, I could hear him saying it, for sure. I I, <laughs> I, I don't want to derail... Uh, that. See, you looking up great. cheese on pie was a yeah. good, derail, a good derailment yeah. of this show. Me investigating yeah. something that may or may not nah, have happened in real life, that feels like a, a post-show derailment. So, uh, this is like one of the... Like, it's, it's funny, because like most of my... Like, Everything inside of my brain, I'm sure, comes from some previous uh, movie or show that I've watched. So it's very possible. Ninety percent of what's in uh, my brain is a reference to something I enjoyed watching on some television screen. Yeah, that's not. I mean, that's ninety percent of everybody's brain, whether they realize it or not at this point. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna smell this real quick. Give me a second. Wow. All right. I can't imagine. I can't imagine pairing this with with cheese, except. I guess I have seen a chocolate and cheese board at a winery once before. That's the only thing. Yeah, that, that is a thing I don't approve in the same way mm-hmm. I don't approve of slapping cheese on your fucking apple pie. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, obviously, of these can three you, things. Can you, can you never say slapping cheese again? That'd be great. I can't make any promises. <laughs> um... Well, while looking at these three things, <laughs> vanilla ice cream seems like the obvious candidate, right? One hundred percent, because that would be like a nice, uh, that'd be a hell of a float. Yeah. Oh, and to, just to be fair, like this, like a chocolate stout with actual chocolate, like that feels like a dessert beer. So dessert yeah, beer absolutely. with some dessert, 
Now, dark berries like this, a stout period with pot roast, sure, absolutely. Sure. Or dark put beer, it in red put, meat. Pour a little it. bit in there while you're cooking it. I wouldn't think to do that for a pot roast per se. I've done that for chili, absolutely. Sure. Um the cheddar is surprising to me too, but they they someone who is a true connoisseur of beer can also be called a sommelier in the same way as wine. And they have tried to like elbow their way into that, that sphere as well, which I understand. I approve of, I have no issues with it. I've eaten beer cheese. It's delicious. I've put beer into cheese and made it myself. I sure. Okay. Have eaten many things that have That's cheese true. on or with it. I've had cheeseburgers. I've had pizza. I've had many things with cheese alongside of beers, but I've never made like, I've had wine and cheese. I've never had beer and cheese in that way. Yeah, but I feel like, okay, so like, I feel like you could potentially marinate some sort of meat in beer, cook it, then put it on a sandwich with cheese, and that would be great. But so the yeah, beer cheese you, is you, also you, you, a great thing to dip a pretzel into, right? That's yes. I love that. All about I had, that. I had but there's something about, there's something about just the beer and the cheese. It's like hanging out with that one person that the other friend really needs to be there. Otherwise, it's just not fun. Yes. I'm That's what this feels like. To... <laughs> That's what this feels like with the cheese. So you don't... I don't want to just hang out with cheese. I, <laughs> I want somebody else to be there. <laughs> you like your burger, your cheese, and your beer, but you don't want to just slap some cheese directly onto the beer. I don't want to slap the cheese. <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> do you want to try this beer? I do. I'm pretty excited about it. It looks delightful. It's yes. got this really... Really nice foam going on on top. This is true. It actually looks like this is true ebony in color. (laughs) Sure is. The bubbles are are all gone at this point. So cheers, cheers. It's pretty tasty. Oh yeah, you can definitely. um, There's definitely some chocolate added. Yes, it kind of sneaks up on you. It's It's got um. It's not right there at the the trigger point. You feel it kind of like. Sneak into the room after you've had the sip of beer. Let me be honest. This tastes like a tastes like the chocolate milk carton that you would get in school. That's what I'm getting here. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm it's kind of thick like back, that. I'm not going to back that one. Mm-hmm. This is straight up chocolate milk to me. That's all I'm getting. It tastes. I mean, I've had. There's a, a slight beeriness at the end, but otherwise. So I'm tasting. Beer with some chocolate on the finish, and you're tasting chocolate with some beer on the on the finish. <laughs> so this is a beer. It's definitely beer somewhere. <laughs> um, no, this, I, like I mean, it. I, I've had a handful of chocolate beers in the past, and this yeah. is in keeping with those. Yeah, I've had a lot of the of chocolate peanut butter boys, but the just the chocolate alone, I haven't had a ton. Well, this that 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 what's that what's that one well known chocolate stout? I feel like there's like a a well-known named chocolate stout. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I can't think of one specifically, but I know I've had several. So yeah, I've had. I've definitely had a good one of those. This is. I like this though. It's. It's really good. It's very flat. I thought. I know. I know that when you have those natural bubbles in there, you can usually get a little bit of that. Like there's like smooth bubbles in it. But this to me just tastes flat entirely. Yeah, I mean, the nitro thing is a distinctly different phenomenon than the carbonation. I yeah. apologize for the vacuum. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's not like it's flat. I see bubbles. Like, I, it just, like, you don't really taste them, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah, I see them on the top. They're very, they're very subtle. I, it's, I mean, I, I also, I do love, like, a nitro cold brew coffee. 
which has obviously the same type of um, like velvety. It's got like a. It's weird. It's like it's thick, but it's not heavy. It's syrupy. And it yeah, it's I, I do I like do really like way. it. Yeah, uh, I'm down with this. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go two thuckles. I'm going to askew the thuckle scale, and I am going to rate this 320 percent good. <laughs> Slap some cheese on it. This segment's <laughs> done. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on into our news and nuggets for the week. Out before the show, you gave me a list of things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through that list of things. Okay. Hocus Pocus 2. Correct. Popped! <laughs> I, uh, I didn't know what to expect from this. I do know that there is a book. I don't know if it is the same story as this movie. Oh, wait, they're do- like, is it like a tie-in or is it like a novelization? Uh, no, there's, there's been a book for a while. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Uh, there's, uh, they sell it at the old, the old Barnes and Noble in one of those, uh, those fancy classics where they make it like, look like a, like an old leather bound book, but it's nice and new. Classic. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm pumped. I, I, I kind of was considering reading it, but not now. Now I want to see the movie before I, anything. But, uh, I gotta say, blown away, they don't look any different. Well, I mean, in the trailer, they kind of did the flashing light trick where you don't get a full grade. At, the fir- for, at first. Yeah. But then they show them. Did they? I actually don't remember. Yeah, they're talking to the guy on the street. Yeah, I know, but for whatever reason, I was thinking it was the back of their heads. But yeah, no, I mean, like, they look pretty true to themselves. And they did a, they did a good job. Hev- they're heavily made up because they're playing witches who were heavily made up. Yeah, I, I, it's just... I mean, it's been I'm 30 excited years, I, they're not going to look exactly the same. But they do. They look they close do. enough. They look good. Uh, they, I love Hocus Pocus so much, and I'm so excited to watch this. I know for a lot of, I feel like a lot of people go the other way, be like, don't make a sequel to it. I'm fine with it. I think it'll be fun. I, from the trailer, I got this. There's this certain type of, there's this certain genre. It's like family spooky movie. A spooky movie. Let's just call it a spooky. It's not a horror movie. It's got some spooky elements, but it's mostly family oriented. And yeah, talk, I love those a few, movies. A few months ago, you said. How yeah, much you I think those. it was probably October. Uh, <laughs> or well, I don't, last October? <laughs> no, no, no. You talked. I feel like you talked about it post hiatus. We definitely came back after. Okay, we, didn't we? Or maybe it was right around. Well, yeah, it, it it almost certainly was after. I don't know. Who knows? What, if, what wasn't Scream? It was farther back than that. There was some movie we did. Did we do was, Hocus Pocus? <laughs> I thought we did that like in 2020, didn't we? I really don't remember. Neither do I. But anyway, that <laughs> that um style, that kind of movie, I love it. I eat that up. I it just kind of you know brings me back to watching old you know Disney spooky movies, whether whatever it was like a made for TV Halloween movie, um, my best friends and mummy, whatever the hell those types of movies <laughs> were. There's a, there was a whole bunch of them under wraps. That's one of them. That's the one. Yes, we talked about uh, that one in that conversation, yeah, I believe. I love that stuff. And that's and I immediately, immediately got that vibe from this. And I was like, wow, I haven't seen one of these in such a long time. And I am so ready for it. And I can't wait to watch it. I I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I don't really know 
what's going on. Like, obviously, we've got, you know, this cast of new young characters who, I guess, found the Black Flame Candle. I thought it was cool that they called back and they were, like, reciting the spell in a kind of spooky way from the original, which is great. And that lit the flame by itself, and then the ground cracked and all that stuff. And I guess, you know, the flames lit so the Sanderson Sanderson sisters can return. I just kind of hope that we get some more stuff. It seems like, I mean, my best guess from that trailer is that Sam Richardson is going to end up being in the cast. Okay, that didn't cross my mind, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to see him. I hadn't seen anything about like casting other than that the three witches were returning. Um, I don't know yet. Did any of the, the three leads, like the kids? I don't know. I feel like they'll probably keep them? that under wraps. Nice. <laughs> I feel like you gotta Sorry. tease it somehow, unless they're gonna be like a one second cameo, you know? Maybe it, maybe in the actual trailer that comes out between now and then. Yeah, because we really didn't get very much. This was a true. No, I have no idea what this movie's about. <laughs> I was seriously surprised to see Sam Richardson. I was like, oh, wow, he's in this. Okay. Yeah. Put him in everything. But just put him in it all. It's great. I mean, he's... I. It would be hard to find... To think of something he'd be, like, objectively terrible in. Like, I he think was, he's... I think he's salt. I think he would go good and is required in everything. But you just don't put too much of him in. So we haven't quite seen it yet. But I feel like... Even without having a resume for it, he we might have to just throw him on our list of. He could probably be in our drama that we're making. Yeah, yeah, I could. I I think so. Well, you know what? Um, he can be. If you watch After Party, he does have some serious moments in that over the top comedy. Okay, and he pulls them off really well. Very. It's like oh oh, we should stop laughing now. He's being serious, <laughs> and he pulls it off. So yeah, he could absolutely. We convinced Gilligan. I was just scrolling through our episodes since we returned from the hiatus, and my guess is going to be that it was when we did Nightmare Alley that we were Maybe. discussing like the difference. Like, that seems like a reasonable place for us to talk about this. Get this cheddar apple pie out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> so only you can control what tabs are open on your computer. <laughs> yeah, that, that that seems like it would be. Oh, I just typed IMDb and boom, Hocus Pocus 2 right there. Man, that's cool. What are you, are you excited for this? Do you want? want yeah, I mean, I going back to what you said about like, oh, maybe like a sequel to something like this isn't a good idea. I still don't think it's a very good idea, but I will treat it gently if it's not good. Mm -hmm. Sweet. The Glass Onion. Yes. Are you aware of what this is? No. Should I be? One second to plug in my computer and boom. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if we knew that this was the title of this forthcoming movie but today announced on twitter oh that Sorry, at the toronto <laughs> international film festival <laughs> is going to be the world premiere of glass onion colon a knives out mystery that's right the sequel to knives out is going to hell be yeah glass onion colon a knives out mystery it's going to debut at tiff um which takes place from september 8th to the 18th it's a really long festival um, the specific date that the glass onion will be shown remains to be seen. Um, this mirrors the release schedule of the first film, uh, as the 2019's Knives Out aired at the same festival nearly two months before it hit theaters. It would go on to be nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards the following year. While Glass Onion plays as a sequel to Knives Out, only Detective Benoit Blanc 
Daniel Craig is returned is returning to the cast. Now it's funny. I thought Anna Darmus was going to return, but I guess not. Yeah, from what I'm seeing here, she's not listed. Yeah, the follow-up will focus on a new mystery revolving around an equally star-studded cast. Those supporting actors include Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, Janelle Monet, Madeline Klein, Leslie Odom Jr., and Jessica Henwick. Kate Hudson and Dave Bautista are also set to make special appearances. I guess if you think about it, like it makes sense for Benoit Blanc to return as a character just in another mystery. Whereas like I feel like it might feel a little shoehorned if the other character was brought in. Well, I don't know. I could have seen maybe her joining up and being his Watson. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. God, I just, I love that movie so much. And I'm just picking, I'm just seeing the final scene of her standing there with the mug. My house, my rules. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, actually, it was on TV a couple of months ago. And I caught like the last half hour or so of the movie. And uh, I'd, I'd like to sit back down and watch like the whole thing again, just because I really enjoyed it. And I've, I've seen bits and pieces a couple of times since then. But Are you um, familiar with the term glass onion? No, I am not. Is that a thing? A glass onion is British slang for a monocle. Really? Mostly used as a corrective lens for one eye. They're used as magnifying devices to look for flaws and imperfections. Like a oh, jewel. perfect. Also, if the, role which, if the walrus was Paul is referring to the album cover, it's false. That's the whole blurb that I was reading from, and I just thought I should finish it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was Glass Onion by the Beatles, and I guess it was giving. It was supposed to be a description of that, but uh, it's an excerpt on Google, and the first part of it highly relevant to what we were discussing. The second part of it threw me off entirely. <laughs> um, the some last housekeeping on this story. Unlike the original, the sequel is not currently scheduled for a theatrical release, as it is under the Netflix banner. The streaming giant hmm. dropped, quote, at least twice what original distributor Lionsgate was willing to pay for the second and third Knives Out movies. Oh, wow. Despite the, despite the film being with the within the Knives Out franchise, director Ryan Johnson noted he feels like Glass Onion is very much its own film. Quote, in my mind, I don't even think of it in terms of like a sequel. Ever since we started working on this, I was like, look, if we can keep this going the same way Agatha Christie wrote a bunch of Poirot novels, I mean. Do that yeah. with Blanc and keep making more mysteries. Whole new cast, whole new location, whole new mystery. It's just another Benoit, Benoit Blanc mystery. And it seems like there's just so many different things you can do with it, you know? It seems like it's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, I mean, that's exactly how I would picture you doing another one of these movies, too. So I'm glad that that's what they're going with. Uh, the last bit here is quotes from Daniel Craig. I'm so lucky to have Ryan in my life. He's such a great writer. That script arrived and I was literally like, are you kidding me? I couldn't believe that he wanted me to play it. I was going, it says Southern accent, you wit here. Really? And he's just like, yeah, we just finished the second one literally weeks ago. They've just wrapped it up in Serbia. Dare I say it's better? We'll see. <laughs> I don't want to tempt fate. It's different, and that's the amazing thing. It's still a Benoit Blanc mystery, but it's very different. I'm very excited. That's awesome. Oh, man. To this be, just makes to, me want to watch the Knives Out again. I was going to say, to be fair, Knives Out was... An Anna de Armas movie with an ensemble that highlighted Daniel Craig. It feels like this next movie is going to be a Daniel Craig movie with an ensemble that highlights. Oh, and that's a that's a good that's an interesting take. Um, yeah, I could see that. I mean, she's the I'm lead. curious if that's how it'll play out. Yeah, no, movie. you're right. I wonder if that is what they'll do though. Yeah, well, that's cool. What is Kyo reboot? 
you're struggling with that word. I, I, I'm not surprised that you never watched the show. I'm surprised you didn't seem to have ever heard of it before. You're not familiar with the animated show that I believe originated in 1997 called Caillou. It was a kid show. It was known as one of the most scorned and hated shows of all time by parents who were forced to watch it with their children. It's become a meme. You were obviously too old to have been watching it as a kid. I was too old even to have been watching it as a kid by the time it gained popularity. Cause I think it's originated in Canada and I think it was also brought over to the U S um, I think my brother watched it, my brother and my sister. Um, and so okay. I saw some of it just being around obviously, but I, by the time it was like a thing that I was aware of, I was already too old for that show, but it's about this kid who is the shittiest, most annoying kid in the world. <laughs> He's just an utter and complete brat. And that's why parents hated it so much. Okay. Or at least that was the majority of it. So they're rebooting it for some reason. Like It's become such a thing that, you know, when you consider like the majority of like meme content is delivered from people roughly age, I don't know, 16 to 35 now online. Um, yeah. A vast swath of that age group either watched the show or was in the periphery of the show. So it be- it's become a huge meme online in, in in the last several years because it was a th- you know that's what you do you mine content from your your childhood and all that like bring it back to sure. the forefront as you have those kind of PTSD type memories of these terrible shows and stuff. Poor <laughs> creatures is coming back to ruin parents' lives all over again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. So I'm reading an article from TV line. Caillou is being rebooted in CGI form, whether you want him back or not. Um, Like Pennywise and countless other horror villains before him, another icon is being reinvented to haunt a new generation. We're talking, of course, about Caillou, the much maligned (laughs) animated series about a precocious four-year-old and his family, which ended its run on PBS Kids last year. Peacock on Tuesday announced that the series is being rebooted in CGI form with an order of 52 episodes at 11 minutes pop. Oh, it's on Peacock. That doesn't really count. (laughs) Peacock describes this new Caillou as, uh, quote, CGI reboot of the original 1997 animated series of the same name, featuring authentic and relatable slice of life stories told from the point of view of its imaginative four-year-old main character who learns life lessons and discovers new things from his friends and family. <sighs> that was a long sentence. The show will find its titular toddler, sorry, titular toddler tackling <laughs> tricky problems. And that's a terrible sentence. Uh, <laughs> tricky problems and powerful emotions by imagining himself, his family and his friends as characters and exciting adventures based on his favorite toys and books. The streamer also announced a series of 44-minute Caillou specials, each of which focus on, quote, significant childhood occasions. The five specials will cover Christmas, Halloween, summer vacation, anti-bullying, and a celebration of family. Per the release, each story will push further into the rich imaginative potential of Caillou's inner world than ever When the original animated series stopped airing on PBS Kids, the news was met with overwhelmingly positive remarks from parents online. (laughs) One called it an, quote, obnoxious ridiculous excuse for a child kid show while another simply celebrated the end of quote the most annoying thing on television yikes and it's not just live action parents that took issue with the show a 2020 episode of family guy found lois forcing herself to watch every episode of caillou in an attempt to prove that it was teaching stewie bad behavior (laughs) the new caillou is expected to debut on peacock in 2023 that that's the thing the kid 
was a brat. He would go do something fucking obnoxious. Then the parents would be like, hey, Caillou, that wasn't right. And then he would throw a temper tantrum. Oh, my God. Sounds It horrible. was the worst thing ever. I, I still can't get over this peacock thing. I, I don't know what it is, but it, it just, when I hear that something is going to be on peacock, I'm like, that's cute. Like, just, it's Well, fine. all of those things. Whenever I see a show is on Peacock or on Paramount Plus or on AMC Plus or any of those types of yeah. streamers, I immediately kind of sort of disregard them. Yeah, they're like they're like the little cousin you give the remote control to, but the remote control is not connected to the game system. Yeah. Sorry, Donald. Grow up, grow up and be HBO Max. <laughs> 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 grow up and be what? And be HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. HBO Max is legit. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to like accept it, but it really is. Yeah. Hell, grow up and be Apple TV Plus. Like I. It's, Hell yeah. It's, like. Even, it's, yeah. For five bucks. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, that's that's all on that. I didn't know what your mileage would be. On I have never. I I'm looking at this. I have no memory of this character at all yeah so the cgi thing is wildly different than what it looked like if you're seeing like stills from the original like it was yeah. kind of watercolor looking yeah um i'll have to say i i don't remember the show because i didn't watch it like but like i would remember a clip of it or whatever i'm gonna go find the most annoying clip i can find or like the most annoying episode and send it to you watch it with um you probably can't take your son he's too young to retain it like just watch it with elio and then shut it off and never think about it it's just that, like, he has this, um, like, he has an aggressive lack of hair. Does he? I don't remember. Yeah, like, it's, it, it's like, weirdly, oh, it's, it's, see, it's like they stopped drawing. I can't see. Uh, oh, yeah, no, like, it was very that? Spartan in design. That's so funny. Look at this. What is this? I'm gonna, I will, I'll watch a clip of this and get an idea. There was one that was circulating, there was one that was circulating a couple years ago, and then someone took it and made it, like, really fucked up. It, I don't remember what it was now, but I was dying laughing. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta see if I can find it tomorrow. I clicked into a few of them, and they were pretty rough. Um, wow. Okay. Kaya reboot. That's happening. Uh, a big ass cheese it. <laughs> Taco Bell's newest food uses an oversized cheese it. <laughs> I I it, I probably like if you ask me to guess what this story was about with just big ass cheese it i'm fairly certain within 10 guesses i would have said taco bell yeah i mean that's fair um i know we talked about it not too long ago right taco bell yeah the um, mexican pizza I, I, yeah well there was that i would just mean like you and me talking about like the food itself like i remember well, obviously we talked about the yeah the tiktok musical which actually i really i never watched I, me and john should watch that um anyway yo um, i want this <laughs> <laughs> so i i had mentioned when you and me were talking about taco what? bell that i it had been several years since i had it and i actually broke that streak the other day i went to a barbecue that started like in the mid to in the afternoon and i like got there and like the food was on the grill right then and there i ate the food like five o'clock but i was there until like 1 a.m i didn't have any additional food and I didn't even realize I was hungry until I left. And mm. I was like, oh, shit. I still have to drive like 20 minutes home 
I'm starving. I'm not going to be able to go to bed. I need something. I was like, I don't want to like right. stuff my face, but I need something. And I was like, I, there's a Wendy's here. I like Wendy's. Wendy's typically open until 2 a.m. All they had was fries and nuggets, and it was going to be a few minutes. And I was like, no, no, this is not acceptable. You know what else is open late? Taco Bell. Right, a, yeah. right across the street. Went to Taco Bell. Got myself a beefy five-layer burrito. Ate that shit on the way home. Yes. It's as bland as I remember, but it did the job. See, if you're if you're having like there are there are a couple of bland items, you're just ordering the wrong items because there are other items that are like flavorful as fuck. Well, I prioritized the thing that had a bunch of different stuff in it and also was going to be easy for me to eat while driving. Sure, I mean you definitely would have been better off with this big cheese at Crunchwrap Supreme that I'm looking at right now, but didn't exist at that time, and I hadn't heard about it until this story literally came out today. So that's Taco Bell. It's terrible. <laughs> Taco Bell because you're not going to go to Taco Bell again, probably for another three to five years. And at that point, I'll go. I'll go to try this because it's absurd. I'll go to try this. Okay. It's absurd. Taco All Bell. Right. How about this? And- I, I want to stop you. I'm sorry. We go see Thor: Love and Thunder. We get a couple of these on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They become part of the show. <laughs> Taco Bell sponsor us. Uh, Taco what are we Bell crunching? Is- <laughs> Taco Bell is testing a new menu item with a beloved snack food. The fast food chain hopes the creation can replicate the success of its Dorito shells. The experiment... That was pretty damn good, too. I want to say I had one when it first came out. Um, the experiment. A massive Cheez-It, which is 16 times the standard size, serves as the base for Taco Bell's new <laughs> big Cheez-It tostada. Somebody measured that. <laughs> oh, you know for sure when they decided to do this, they're like, okay, we need to find out what exactly proportionally this is to the original because this is part of our marketing. Yeah. The the meal layers ground beef, sour cream, tomatoes, lettuce, and cheddar cheese on the cheesy cracker for $2.49. It's described it as an abundantly cheesy and nostalgic yet magically modern dining experience, according to a release. First off. Get dining experience out of there. <laughs> no, no, no. You forget that Taco Bell has the cantina. They're a classy establishment, a classy joint. Um, the second item Taco Bell is testing is a big cheese it Crunchwrap Supreme. That's where that's where it's at. The tostada, I pass. This one, yes. this one is what I want. I concur. Yeah, you know, I saw the two pictures. I didn't read the whole story. I just saw it and I was like, I'm just going to save this. We're going to do it on the show. Um, I saw the picture and I just assumed that I didn't realize that that's what the tostada was on its own. But now that I think about it, that does look like a tostada, except a cheese instead of um, yep. a tortilla. Um, I just assumed they like extracted the center from the crunch wrap thing to show what was on it in better quality. Like I put it next to what it would look like cross sectionally opened. Um, that's what's blowing me away with this image is that it's a cross section. Yes. Well, like a, a nice cross section, because if you took a crunch wrap and you chopped it open, it would not look like that. No, it's also like a quarter of the size of this, and there's like two strings of lettuce on it in real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. If yeah, they big... remembered to put it on. <laughs> <laughs> the big cheese at Crunch Wrap Supreme, which replaces the internal tostada shell with the giant cheese it for. $4.29 is packed with the usual ingredients, including ground beef, nacho cheese sauce, lettuce, tomatoes, and sour cream. Both are available only in one restaurant located in Irvine, California for the next two weeks. 
like many fast food chains, Taco Bell regularly tests menu items before potentially expanding their availability to other locations. The company based in Southern California has used its hometown for a plant-based protein made from peas and chickpeas last year. That sounds made from what? Peas and chickpeas. I thought you said plant-based protein made from bees. And I was like, not a plant. Bees? (laughs) Bees? Uh, so we can't do this. We can't have this with Thor. Doesn't Partnering exist. with a well-known snack could help boost sales. Its Dorito taco shells quickly became a fast food icon shortly after its 2012 debut. Sold over 500 million of them within about a year of its launch. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, this one sounds instantaneously like a... Yeah, just roll this out. You don't gotta test this one. Yeah, yeah this one's like, gonna it, I'm not saying it's gonna have staying power. Six months from now, people may stop buying it. But people are going to line up for this when it comes out. Even me, like I'll go try. I, and I just said, I just said before last week, I had zero interest in Taco Bell. I hadn't eaten it in like five or six years. Like, yeah, I would go out and try this because it's that absurd. If, if if you're getting me to say I will go out and try this because it's that absurd, then that's something you should just roll out naturally without a second thought. Yeah, I want I, I want to give this one a go. I I like Taco Bell. I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm See to me, I just. It, like, good Mexican food is usually pretty affordably priced. I'd rather just have good Mexican food. Well, okay. But it's like, I'm not going to Taco Bell for Mexican food. You're going, going for, a, for cruel, a cruel and crude facsimile of it. And that's what I'm saying. Is I'd rather just have... The no, I'm go- yeah, I'm going to Taco Bell for whatever this folded up abomination is inside of another folded up abomination. That, the, and it's going to be... And what is it? It all tastes the same. And I'm fine I'm with it. I'm going to introduce legislation that Taco Bell is only allowed to open up after 11 p.m. 11 p.m. before. That's the only <laughs> well, hang on, though. Their breakfast is also pretty sick. I've never had their breakfast. Would never. I would never dare. Sausage, Contrat, Supreme. No, no thanks. It's delicious. I haven't had it in years, but it's delicious. <laughs> I I think I'm going to go. I'm going Taco Bell number one, White Castle, a very close number two, and then everything else. I've had so much dreadful White Castle. It's so bad. It's so bad for you. But also somehow you can't... It's like a, a bad train wreck. You can't look away. You can't fully escape White Castle. Yeah, it's 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 fine. It's not... I gotta be honest. The, that time that we did the Oscars at your house, your apartment when you were in Hoboken, and... Um, James brought, like, the two Crave cases that we demolished. Like, oh it was good. Oh, my God. But he also got, like, the one, like, special one. It was, like, some sort of fucking, like, jalapeno cheddar one. Well, yeah, pretty those, good. those are good. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of those. I bought a last, last Christmas for the for the holiday party, for the Big Al's holiday party. I, I stopped and I brought a, a Crave case. And uh, it's the same It's the same thing. You bring a Crave case to any gathering. It's the same thing. Everybody's like, oh, oh yeah. And then it's gone. Yeah, you pop three of them in your mouth. Yeah, it's, it's over. Fun. Yeah, and everybody's like, "Why?" Yeah, like they don't want it. And it's like they have. To, it's like it's like a an obligation to be like, "Oh, I don't want to eat that," and then they love it. It's funny. It smells and tastes so oniony, which was a kid was a like just like I couldn't do it. Like now, I was having this conversation with um, my brother's girlfriend the other day. I have found a way to coexist with the onion. Um, I know its boundaries. It knows mine. Well, we figured it out. <laughs> no real ones in this case um but as a kid my dad loved 
White Castle. There was we lived in Vermont for half of my childhood. There was no White Castles probably within the state, certainly none within driving distance of where we lived. But there's I think multiple ones in the Bronx, which is how you know he grew to love it because he grew up there. And so when we would come down, we would usually come down to visit all you in the city area like twice a year. We'd come down between Christmas and New Year's, and then we'd come down once in the summer usually. And when we were down in the summer, we would always go to the beach at least once. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it was just me and my dad would go to the beach, or we would go to a Yankee game, or whatever. And every single time we went to the beach, drive through the Bronx, drive out onto Long Island, and the way back, stop at White Castle in the Bronx. My dad would get some White Castle because, you know, he hadn't had some since the summer prior. And... I had zero interest in the burgers. After, yeah, I tried it the first time because I was like, you want to try it? Yeah. Sure. But I had it, I was like, no, thank you. But what I did love was the crinkle cut fries with the cheese sauce. Dip mm-hmm. some of that action. Mm-hmm. So we would go. Dad would get me some fries and cheese sauce nice. alongside him and his um, white, white willies, I think is what he used to call it. I think it's funny that we both have dad White Castle stories. So mine would... <laughs> I like can't picture your random... dad eating fast food for some reason. I don't know why. Well, no, that's this is that's the best part. It's not really eating the white. For whatever reason, he really likes the chocolate shake that they have, <laughs> and maybe like I don't know why I have this memory, but there's like I've got like three, maybe four very specific times in my entire life where like we ended up at White Castle so that he can get a shake, and he was like, "Do you want one?" and of those four, three or four times, maybe once I said yes. Otherwise, I was just like. I'm just here long for this ridiculous ride that we're on. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, sure, it was, it was pretty good. It's a thick ice cream shake. I don't know. It's like a, well, you do. That's just, so, I just think it's so funny. I big, I love, I love me some White Castle. I, uh, I really do also like they, they have a chicken ring sandwich with cheese. And I think uh, I might've had that once actually. That's what, that's what's up. So we used to do, Back in the day, so as you know, when I worked at the pizzeria, um, I would work the majority of Friday and all of Saturday. Like, I would work like a, like, I don't know, whatever it was, like eight to 10, like maybe eight to 10 hours, followed by a 12 hour the next day. But at the end of Friday night, we always ended up at the movie theater. Mm -hmm. And when it stopped being cold on Saturday nights, we always ended up at the beach. There was, uh, on Staten Island, there was a boardwalk, and there's nothing on it. It's literally just a board. It's like the, it's, it's the lamest boardwalk, because it's just a bunch of boards that you walk on. There's no shops or anything. It's just, it's just, it is quite literally a boardwalk. <laughs> and, and that's it. B-O-R-E-D. But we would, we would go there, we would go there, and we would spend hours. We would play, um, we'd play catch with Nerf footballs, or we would play soccer there was a soccer field that eventually they built over there we just we would have a blessing we'd spend there we'd be there for hours and then afterwards like you know it's like one in the morning and we're hungry so the only thing open is white castle or a diner um but white castle was significantly cheaper and we would go to white castle and end up with a crave case because there's usually there was there was usually a good amount of us um and this was like I feel like we would probably go like two to three times a month during 
those those months of the year when it was nice out. So we, we had we had ourselves a lot of, of White Castle, and you would we would usually split the case between the jalapeno burger and the chicken rings with cheese. Okay. And everybody was fed and overly full, and we all spent about thirty cents. It was great. <laughs> it, was, it was a great way, great way to live. It was good times. Good times. I think I got a concussion playing soccer on that field. There were no lights, and <laughs> it was the middle of the night. So you're How basically you play playing without lights. <laughs> you're playing soccer by moonlight, and uh, I definitely. Definitely turned really quickly into somebody's shoulder, and I got leveled. And uh, yeah, it's incredible for the absolute rash of concussions in football, which is a real and true concern. Despite mm-hmm. my deep and abiding love for that sport, it's things like soccer that you don't expect that'll get you with concussions because yeah. it's the I'm heading this football. It's I got kicked in the head trying to head this football. Sure. It's I I got shouldered to the face, ran into someone's shoulder, or. Yeah. Tried to slide tackle someone and got kneed in the temple. Or... I broke my arm playing soccer. That one is uh, also a thing. I, I typically expect more lower body injuries of that yep. sort of nature, but okay. I, I'm sure I've mentioned on the show before, I gave someone a concussion during uh, Ultimate Frisbee in high school. Like It's those sports that you don't expect it to happen yeah. that it happens on. It's when you think you, said, you get lured into that false sense of security. <laughs> it's the quote-unquote non-contact sports that'll get you. <laughs> one day, one moment, you're jumping up to get some Frisbee. Next, boom, slapping some cheese on it. <laughs> That's like almost literally exactly what happens. So. <laughs> oh, man. I We used to play uh, in senior year of high school. In gym, we played Ultimate Frisbee for a little bit. And yeah, that's what it was. I, I loved it. I had so much fun with that. Yeah, I, would, I would absolutely I play it. that today. We also played, I don't know if you guys played this as well, but it was basically the exact same game up with a football. They called it Flicker Football. It was literally just Ultimate Frisbee, but with a football instead of. Oh, that's cool. No, we, we didn't play. We played like tag football. Okay. I mean, we did that sometimes too, but like, yeah. A lot of hacky sack. That wasn't a gym staple for us. That they, was a uh, lunchtime thing. We, we weren't supposed to be doing that, but the gym teacher was like, hey, stop it. And there was enough of us that we were like, no. <laughs> and they were like, all right. <laughs> also, we like, at least there is some physical component to hacky sack. If you're going at it pretty oh, hard, absolutely. there is physical activity being done. So Yeah, no, we were, we were probably uh, getting more exercise than everybody else in gym class. Really? Okay. By the time they figured out what they were doing and set up the t- the bell would ring. Meanwhile, we'd so, be like four games into knockout, and it would be. <laughs> sometimes that was inefficient. Yeah. 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 Ultimate frisbee, though. I will. Uh, me and one of my other friends from high school, we were re- we were really just we would have so much fun with it. And he, I don't know what his deal was, but he would be able to bomb a frisbee all the way down, like very accurately, all the way downfield. It's incredible, and, like, especially, like, did he do the hammer throw, too? Because, like, that... Yeah, that, like, funky, yeah. Yeah, it's baffling yeah. to me. I, I have successfully done it a couple of times, but my success rate is, like, 10%. Yeah, he he was really good at that. And for, what like, it was like, all right, let's start. And then he, I would just start running, and he would eventually chuck it, and we scored. Like, that was, it was the best. Because, <laughs> like, nobody would expect 
surely <laughs> he's not going to be able to get it down there. Anthony's exactly out of the screen. How could he possibly catch a touchdown? Get... <laughs> I'll make it rain out there. <laughs> oh, man. Jonathan Long. That was his name. I couldn't remember the kid's name for a while, but I haven't thought about it in a long time. The aptly named. Any other news and nuggets? No, light on the news this week. That's 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 good. That's good. Let's get into some consumption. What are you consuming? I'm actually kind of light on this stuff too. I have a handful of things, but most of them won't merit a long discussion. Um, <clears throat> let's start with some video games because I dabbled in uh, let's say three of them recently. Um, played a bunch of Halo Infinite lately, which is a joint note for us because we played with Anthony a few times. Easily, quickly. Under the worst calm circumstances imaginable. But, yes. It was fine the first time. It was not great the second time. (laughs) (laughs) Despite the fact that my, like, app kept, like, disconnecting or whatever from... Mm -hmm. Or you... I don't know if it was all me disconnecting from you or you disconnecting from me or vice versa. No, I I remained in the party the whole time. It was weird. Yeah. um, Obviously, uh, not ideal setup. I was... uh, so it was it was me it was you it was my cousin's sister's brother's friend brian well that was monday that was <laughs> yeah i was talking about the first time we played on saturday oh yeah well you know well i was at dominic's apartment he was out he, he, he teaches at high school at high school and they had their graduation so he went out for like dinner and drinks with some of the teachers and so i was home with the dogs and uh i was i just fired up a game you messaged me like 15 minutes later, hey, join me for some Halo. I said, okay, let's do it. Now is as good a time as any. Didn't have a headset because he doesn't have a headset. I have one at my house. And Anthony's like, oh, you can use the app to your phone. I was like, oh, perfect. I have my, like, um, well, they're not AirPods, they're Galaxy Buds. But I had my my Bluetooth headphones around. I was like, let me slap this all together. Slap some cheese slap on some it. Cheese on it. Up. <laughs> um <laughs> I was like, judging by the last time I played with Anthony, we'll probably get one round or two in. We played for two hours, um, and it was great. We had a rotating cast of characters. We had Michael Warren, Neil, we had Will. We had uh, a good time. Good squad. Yeah. Had a, I'm terrible at the game, still terrible at the game, despite playing a so bunch we had, more. But, we, had, we had fun. But uh, No, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the, the biggest problem for me is truly I've been jumping back and forth between that and the original Halo Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And the controller layout is substantially different enough that I it takes me a while to stop hitting the wrong buttons when I want to do mm-hmm. something. Things I need to be able to do in a split second reaction. Yep. Um, like, let me try and melee and not meleeing. <laughs> oh, ducking. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's fun and all. Um, Monday was a different setup because me and Dominic and Brian and Nelson were playing Halo 3 ODST, trying to finish up that campaign. And Anthony texted me again. I was like, oh, cool. We've got three or four. Well, Nelson was about to be leaving, but so we had three people who were down to play with two profiles signed in. So we've been playing split, split screen to join you guys online. But again, no headsets. So I hooked up my phone to chat again. But this time I put on speaker to be sitting between the three of us. And there was some Terrible. feedback issues. There was some talking over each other issues. It was uh, an adventure. It was brutal, but the games were fun. Yes. Was it really that bad on your end? Yeah, because we could hear when I would speak, I would hear myself. And then when Will would speak, I would hear Will. And then I would hear him again. And really? That, yeah. And then you would hear all the sound effects from the TV. 
Well, that I, I'm not surprised by. Um, I turned the volume down on the TV a lot, like to the point where we probably yeah. were at a competitive disadvantage. Um, then you would hear all I, the chaos from that frat house. Well, you guys were. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, no, I had to turn up the volume on the call a lot so that all three of us could hear you. Um, yeah. Which obviously caused part of that feedback issue. But still, it was fun. It was a shit show. Not the shit show podcast, but oh, still in peace. all, it was a good time. We should uh, revive the shit show podcast. It was good. Okay. It was fun. Sorry, it was I mean, fun. There's definitely, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely an appetite, <laughs> I'm sure, for us and Brian and maybe a rotating cast of other characters to jump on and just shoot the shit. Yeah, for that would like the, o, the the OG crew would definitely be in. Matt Matt is in in for another show, so could make that happen. Probably. Can we get point. back? What's his name from Detroit? Rob from Detroit. I hope he writes in. <laughs> Rob from Detroit was a loyal write-in. It's just oh, I always forget his name. Brian. I just know he was from Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian to be fair, daily, and I love the basis. To, to be fair, and we're we're talking about your Brian, not not my brother's sister's cousin's former roommate's Brian. No. Um, I love Brian too, but he is easily roastable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Am I am I incorrect here? I I don't I don't know. I'm just I'm just bull trusting you because you spend a lot of time. I I haven't spent no, much no, time no, with no. Brian. No, we're, we were talking oh, about your Brian. Who was oh, my Brian's by. roastable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I said we're not talking about my brother's sister's. Got gotcha. you. Got gotcha. you. Oh, sorry. Talking about your Brian. Yeah. I said I love Brian. Brian. Will roast himself, but he is easily roastable. So yeah. Rob from Detroit probably had it right. Brian is mostly roasting himself daily. It's great. True. He is incredibly self-deprecating. I respect he's the hell a, out of it. He's a character. I appreciate him so much. Uh, so uh, my, my final note on gaming is I finally got oh, yeah. to sit down and get down some good chunks of Mass Effect 1 on Legendary Edition. It's nice to really get things going. I, I was like never able to sit down for more than like 20 or 30 minutes, which is just not the right way to play that sort of game. Mm-hmm. When you have an RPG, you really want to get a good hour or so session in here and there so you can feel like you're getting some serious momentum, not like, hey, what was I doing? Is there anyone yep. I needed to talk to? Is everything equipped that needs to be equipped? Like no, let's get let's rock some missions here. Let's let's do some exploration. Let's get going. So I've, I got a couple sessions in over the last week or so. So it's nice to feel like I'm actually like in the flow of the game. That's so, cool. That's the end of my gaming notes. Yeah, I, I I dig that. I would like to get back into it. I was doing that for a while. Like every like maybe four days or so, I was playing it, and I would sit down for like maybe an hour and a half. And that's a perfect really amount of time. It. But then I I fell off for reasons, and going back to it feels clunky and don't really remember what was going on. I told you, you tell me the next time you want to play, you bring up your, you bring up the game, you read me all the quests you've completed (laughs) and I'll put together a picture of what's going on and what your, what what your motivation is. And you'll be right back on the horse. So on, on the topic of games. So I played some Halo with you and I've recently played, um, a couple sessions of Returnal. I know you've mentioned that. Dude. I think you'd be interested in this game. Yeah, Maybe I don't know anything creepy. about it. It's really weird. So, like, you are... You you crash land on a planet where this signal is coming from, and you start to explore. And you're going through, and you're coming to find, uh-oh, I've crash-landed on this planet before. That's my dead body. And oh. <laughs> then you realize you're in this loop. And every time you die... You're waking up at the crash site again, and you're starting from the beginning. So it's like part Palm Springs, part yeah. 
Planet of the Apes part, I know who killed me. Yeah. And uh, your every time you spawn, so what you have as a player is the recollection of what you've done before, plus a couple of any any permanent upgrades. There's a handful of things that are permanent upgrades that you like, uh, basically like these types of abilities or things that help you progress through the actual game. So you also part them. uninvited? Yeah. <laughs> but, and what's really funky uh, is that the world is slightly different every time. So like, you'll go through a door and it won't be, you won't be starting in the same place you started last time. Mm. So like the world is slightly changing too. So also part Dragon Age in the fate. It's really, it's really funky. To, I think in this it's 320%. I was going to say, we're about 320% game right now. <laughs> it's like, it's really funky and it's really eerie. And like, um, there's some really funky stuff going on. And like, it's like ominous things happening. Like, like just the, the music, the sound effects. It's all great. All very Park captivating. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I felt I got like doom vibes as far as like the exploration of trying to figure out rooms by rooms and getting keys and unlocking doors and things like that. But it's just, like, really captivating. I haven't been captivated by a game like this in this way in a long time where it's like, man, I would love to get another session sitting down because I just, I don't even know where to go or what to expect. But part of that, like, just see what happens and, like, that freedom of, like, that's just kind of how you play it feels really good. Horror and, or spooky? Um, Spooky. Well... There's another layer of this that we're missing. It's like the sci-fi spooky, I guess. Okay. It's got like alien vibes as far as the aesthetic is concerned. Like so the, it's more horror, right? I guess. Existential dread? It's not. It's more of fear of the unknown. Because like the character that you're playing is clearly an explorer of sorts. Is not like... He's not afraid to go look or explore or investigate the thing. It's just that, like, we don't know what it is. So, like, approaching it with extreme caution and, like, what that I guess. So, I guess there is a, there is a form of dread involved in that of, like, yeah, what that could the, this the, like, be? Like, existential dread? I guess. I guess so. Maybe we'll go with that. Existential dread. That's the genre. <laughs> oh, there's another <laughs> weird thing that happens is every time you go back to your ship, you can choose to go into it and lay down for a minute. And if you do, you have a dream, and the dream changes every time. It's very short, That's and it's great. like a weird clip of something. And sometimes you find that thing in the world, and I'm like, Ooh. so it clearly has something to do with the story, which is it's just very it's such this it's this really intriguing mystery, and I want to play more of it. That sounds like a game I would enjoy watching someone play. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, know well, I on top of that, the actual movement. It feels really good, and the the combat is excellent. It's sort of, it's very arcadey. I don't know if I would one hundred percent enjoy playing it, but it feels like the type of thing I would enjoy popping and watching someone play. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So that's 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 fun. And then I have also played a little bit of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge, which is fan freaking task. Yeah, I think you mentioned that was it last episode or two yeah, episodes I think ago? So. I forget. Probably last episode. So much fun. Definitely want to play more of that. What else you got going on? Uh, another quick one, if you so choose, but on uh, Sunday night, uh, threw out a movie I hadn't actually watched in a while. Certainly have not watched all of in a very long time, despite the fact that I've watched it so many times, uh, and that was The Goonies. Oh, wow. 
I've never been a fan. Really? I don't know that I've actually seen it all the way through. Really? Yeah. It's shocking to me that you'd be as big a fan of Stranger Things without having a baseline of really enjoying the Goonies. No. Yeah. I'll... I I feel like it's probably something that I should give a go at this point in my life. With my well, it's on HBO Max, so it's easily accessible. Oh, all right, great. It's done. Consider it done. <laughs> next week's episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want... Well, probably not next week. I think we've got some new releases to chug through. That's right. In the coming weeks. Um, but <clears throat> Chucked It Up is a somewhat near future episode. I'm definitely down. Um I really enjoy that movie. There's some stuff that I kind of, at this stage of my life, kind of groan and shake my head at a little bit, but it's a genuinely good and enjoyable movie. Okay. I'll give it a go. Some of the, like, some of it is just the level of, like, it's a, it's definitely a movie made for all ages. Like, you can mm-hmm. enjoy it as a kid, you can still enjoy it as an adult. Um, there's just some kind of, like, corny and, like, it's a bunch of child actors, so there's gonna be some things that are whatever. But like, yeah, it's things that probably wouldn't annoy you that annoy me because I've seen the movie 30 times. OK, like what? It's like, OK, there's there's plenty of good in this movie. Great in this movie. Like I could just do without that scene, you know? Gotcha. When did that come out? 1984, 87. One of those years. 85. Did you ever play Goonies 2, the video game? I am aware that it exists, but no. <laughs> awesome. Man, I. What? What is this? Hang on one second. I other movies of the time popped up and the Lost Boys popped up, which I love. Yes. Um, also utterly ridiculous. Um, I watched yeah. it a couple of times as a kid because my mom's a huge fan. And yeah. I hadn't seen it in a long time after that. And then I watched it two Halloweens ago at a Halloween party me and my friends had. Nice. And... I had forgotten some of the early on stuff, like when they first get there and everything. Mm-hmm. And there was a scene that I just had zero recollection of that um, Caleb mentioned. And I was like, I like, what are you talking about? He's like, wait, you don't remember that? I was like, no, I don't know why. Like, it's been a while since I've like, actually seen the movie. And it was the scene when they go to the beach and there's like that concert going on. And there's that extremely sweaty and oiled up and shirtless Jack dude just mm-hmm. ripping on the saxophone. totally ridiculous if you know you know like it's Uh, yeah i was like someone has to do that as a halloween costume one of these years because like we're in halloween we're talking about it (laughs) i think ridiculous i'm gonna have to we're gonna have to do this movie um soon (laughs) well maybe we'll do it in the spooky season do it for halloween like yeah but we're gonna definitely do hocus pocus too around that time I mean, but we could do. Comes out on the we could do a Halloween. So, let's say we can do a Halloween. Oh my god! In October. If you, if, wow, that's fantastic. If you go on IMDb and type in the Lost Boys and let the real play, saxophone guy makes an appearance. <laughs> hey, uh, he's left an indelible mark on many impressionable people. So, <laughs> I love that. Cry, little sister. <laughs> 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 oh man i love it god there's so much camera right up the nostrils in that in that movie it's <laughs> it's so good 
Uh, also, is that the it, only other thing that what's his name from Bill and Ted has been in? What's his name from Bill? See, I've never seen the movie, so I don't know which one's Bill and which one's Ted. But the one who's not Keanu Reeves, he's one of. Oh, them. okay. I don't. What's, I don't even know what that. What's the actor's name? Oh, I I couldn't possibly tell you. Um, let's see if I can figure this out. Bill and Ted. Uh, you know, there's an easy way around this. Bill and Ted. I thought that was the obvious choice. Yes. Yep. I was like on Alex the page. Something? Alex Winter. Yeah, that's it. Was he in it? Ninety-nine percent sure. Let's see. He's one of the vampires. Scroll down. 85, 88, 89. What am I looking at right now? Dire- oh, that's direct. Dire- Goodness gracious. That's a lot of directorial credits. My, my well, man. He hasn't been acting in anything, so. All right. Let's see. Uh, 85, The Lost Alexander, as Alexander Winter. Yeah. Yes, he was. I, I just, I noticed that when we were watching it, like, whatever, it was a year and a half ago. Oh, there he like, is. Oh, I was like, there's that guy from Bill and Ted. I had no idea he was in this. <laughs> That's funny. Man, ah, I could go over some Lost Boys right now. I'll be good. I want to watch that. Keith Sutherland, man. Oh, there's the saxophone that- guy again. Every time I get back to this page, it's just this <laughs> wonderful tree. He's also doing, I like, think it's gotta be side me. hip I think- thrust. I think that's going to be my Halloween costume this year. I have the long hair to do the ponytail. Doesn't he have a ponytail? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, it looks like it, yeah. I am obviously not as slim as I used to be, so I won't perfectly match that, but I can pull off. I'm I'm currently wearing a ponytail and no shirt, so I can clearly pull off the look. I think I still have my... Yeah, I think I still have my childhood saxophone buried somewhere upstairs. So um, I think that's what I'm going to do. You just got. I just really hope that on top of this, you like break out "Careless Whisper" or something. Just no. I, well, I haven't played the saxophone <laughs> in like fifteen years. I'm not so prepared. I'm, I'm not prepared. <laughs> also, I, I don't know the last time you saw a saxophone, but you can't pull that out of your sleeve like you no. got a flute. I don't know. <laughs> also, won't be wearing sleeves that day, shirtless. You um, got some big that, sleeves. That being said. Um, that's going to be one of those ones I'm going to really stand firm on. I'm not going to answer if people ask what I am. They're going to have to figure it out. Either you know or you don't. Uh, uh, is it Gene or is it Jorts? What's the bottom half? What's going Ooh, on bottom I'm not half? sure, but I think Jorts maybe. I don't know if I'll be able to do that one. Let me see. Maybe I'll find oh, yeah. some I'm going to reload the, the page again so I can see the clip one more time. time. Actually, better yet, I'm going to turn the sound on. Sam have just moved to Santa Oh man, deep voice. Deep that voice the trailer? trailer. Yeah. <laughs> uh it does not it looks like maybe cargo pants with a belt. I can't oh, tell. For well, sure. I can definitely do that then. Uh who are, who what are you? I'm Jazz Boy from the Lost Boys. I'm the Lost Jazz Boy. <laughs> Is that what he's credited no, as? No. I know. <laughs> Jazz Boy? No. I was just saying that's what you're in costume. If you were, if you were, if this was a, if it were a costume that was sold in a bag at Spirit Halloween, it would be Lost Jazz Boy. That would be the absolute, (laughs) (laughs) absolute name of that. Now I gotta know what he's credited as because, like, I might, I might just do that if someone asks what I'm doing. (laughs) Just give the credited name of the character. (laughs) Uh, I'm not seeing. The character. I am seeing a couple characters uh, called Surf Nazi, number one and number three. Surf Nazi! And number yep. two. You forgot him, too. No, I oh don't see God. two. 
Oh, there I he totally is. Forgot, I totally forgot that Joel Schumacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> that what explains a, a lot. Star, that's right. That was her name. Yes, boy. There's five surf Nazis. Wow, there is. Beach Concert Star? That's his name. That's Beach Concert be Star. Beach Concert Star. Yeah, his profile picture is him shirtlessly playing sex. <laughs> Where? Yes. No, he's wearing hello. like S-less chaps. No, oh, sorry, shit. he's wearing. He is uh, wearing. He no, he's wearing a studded thong. I'm not wearing. A Are those his thong. bare legs? I think so. Oh, you got to do the chain though. He's got a, a straight up chain around his neck, like a biker chain. Yeah, like, you can get ninety percent of this at Hot Topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can get the studded belt. You said he was wearing cargo shorts at a, at a That's belt. what it looked like, but I guess those <laughs> were just his really tan legs. <laughs> He's got really tan legs over which he has, like, essentially, it's not a thong, but it's like leather underwear with like the like the three deep studded <laughs> thing. Oh my like, god! Like you said, everyone at Hot Topic wore. You have to... Alright, are you on the IMDb page for him? I was, yeah. If you click on his picture and cycle through, there are some gems. Yeah, this is really funny. I was absolutely mistaking his very tan legs for cargo pants. (laughs) That is crazy. He looks like he should be in Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Wow. What is this? See, this is... this is the only type of tangent. You, this is the type of tangent you can only get on the show. <laughs> year of the, without your head, Tim Capello. Year of the infestation, the Lost Boys. Withoutyourhead.com. I'm about to regret this. Withoutyourhead.com. What is this? Christian Ninja Blades. No Ninja Badass. What am I looking at right now? All right. What are you uh, looking at right now? I went to the website that's on his IMDb page. And I've escaped the website. Wow. Escaped. That's that's wild. All right, cool. I'm I'm pretty excited for your Halloween costume. I think maybe jorts are the way to go. Like, but like cut off jorts. You can do that. I think if you I mean, you should probably commit. I'm not wearing leather underwear. Leather underwear is the is the is the it seems a requirement. No, I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. Can you do a uh, a mashup costume, Jazz never knew Jazz Boy. <laughs> there, so you, there are you, dozens of us. <laughs> you do all of that with the chains and the ponytail and the saxophone. <laughs> what was his name again? Beach, Beach something. Beach concert star. Beach he was star. he was absolutely the star of that beach concert. There's not he even was. a question. He was. So many people were thrilled about it. That's great. I don't even know what you told me you were watching that we ended up here. The Goonies. The Go- <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm glad you carried that thread. Goodness. Well, we just got uh, lost deeply in the 80s. Hey, speaking of the 80s, I'm not watching it yet, but I will be watching it this weekend. Uh, the final part... The, the second part of the fourth season of Stranger Things drops. That comes out what, Friday? On Friday. And I'm so pumped for those two episodes. Cannot wait. It's two movies? So, uh, yeah. I'm all about the movies. You know how I feel. 
I'm really excited for that. Uh, I am watching Our Flag Means Death, slowly but surely. I've watched two yeah, episodes I was, of it. I was surprised texted you about something totally different. and Well, so, not totally different about that, but not like, hey, are you watching it or whatever. I didn't yeah. realize you finally started, so that's cool. Yeah, Kim, Kim and I are watching Arrested Development because she has never seen it, and she's enjoying it, which is great, but she, she falls asleep almost every time we're watching something. So I, I've found the timing of it now, and I stop what we're watching so that I don't have to rewatch it, and mm-hmm. I will go watch something else. And that's where that's when I turn on our flag means death. So that's why I'm making my way through it slowly. Uh, but it's, it's funny because I, I would have actually think she would like that show, but um, it might be a little bit too stupid for her. Really? Okay. Yeah that that style of comedy it doesn't always resonate with her. Wait, hang on. Uh, hang on, hang on. Yeah. You guys are watching Arrested Development. Yes. And this is too stupid for her. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the Our Flag Means Death, while has it has its clever moments, it leans into dumb slapstick. Whereas like but all of the jokes in Arrested Development are very clever and have through lines throughout the series and like Sure, but from a certain point of view, like they're the same show. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think so. I think they. I think they. I would actually. I think they're very, very different styles of comedy. Extremely different. Uh, I don't know. I think one of them take, One of them is very like. So Arrested Development is more grounded in reality. Well, I, I, I'm not going to say that one of them isn't a bit more fantastical period drama. Well, dramedy, I guess, as opposed to a present day for the time, a contemporary comedy, but. There is a lot of shared DNA in the comedy itself. I don't know if I see it. I don't see it. To be fair, you're only two episodes in, so yeah, we'll see where it goes. But uh, as of now, I would, I, I, I disagree. I think they are vastly different, and I don't, I still don't think that she'd be in, in on it. Um, well, that part, but it, yeah, that may be. It is very, it is very funny though. I, I really like the lead. I can't remember uh, Darby. He, yes. He's Steed I Ca- Cap- I Captain Steed Bonnet. Steeb. Steed. S T E D E. Oh, it's a D or a B? D. D. Steed Bonnet. Yeah. I yes. I he's hysterical. He I I think he's so I don't know if you've ever seen Yes Man, but he's yes. hilarious. That's the only other thing I know him from. Oh my god. I I've watched a little bit of his stand up and it's fantastic. He does stand up? Wow. Okay. Yeah. And He's just so funny, and like the premise of, and like the fact that we're like kind of like slowly revealing the why instead of it just being there from the beginning is really fun. And it's just completely, he's just not cut out for this ridiculous life that he's decided to, and it's just so funny. He is one of the least equipped people for a job that has ever existed. (laughs) It would be like putting a kindergartner in charge of building a nuclear bomb. Yeah. It's so funny. It's great. I, I'm looking forward to to continuing on with it. Very funny. What else you got? Um, so, we're going to not exactly delve into new territory, but something that's not super frequently featured <coughs> in this segment. It's going to be what we're listening to. And mm. I mean that in the musical sense. Because... This past week was the long-anticipated and slightly delayed release of the newest album by Cohen Cambria. It's Vaxis 2, A Window of the Waking Mind, and it is a fantastic 
album. Fantastic. Cool. I mean, I it's my favorite band. It's been my favorite band for well over a decade. Love them. Love just about all their work. This is their, in my opinion, their best album since the first one. I actually heard them release like contemporary to me listening to it because mm. I got into them like right as they were gaining their peak popularity in what the closest thing you could call the mainstream for them. <laughs> um, sure. Like, which was like Guitar Hero era when like there was commercials on TV and everyone was experiencing Welcome Home, whether they realized it or not. Yeah. <clears throat> At that time, the album after that had just released. It was the second good Apollo album. Um, I, the first album I heard them release like contemporary was year of the black rainbow. And I think this one is the best one they've done since then. And I've liked all of the other albums they've done. I've really, really enjoyed a ton of the songs off of those albums. But to me, start to finish, I think this is the best album they've done since that. Nice. All right. Uh, good. To give that a listen. It's yeah. funny that you say what we've been listening. I actually, uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I can't remember who it was. It was one of, one of the game podcasts I listened to, but one of the members was saying how they like to listen to music. I think it was like while they work or something. And, just don't know what to put on anymore because you end up listening to like the same old things over and over again. So they decided to go and find the list of like the top hundred albums of all time. And when they didn't know what to put on, just start at the top and start listening through them. Um, and I was like, that's a great idea. Cause I find myself in this situation all the time where I'm like, I would like to put on some music. I do not want to decide what to listen to anymore. Like I just, I, it feels a little boring. I just want to hear something. So I started also, doing cool this. Cool added benefit of like adding your repertoire. Like if you commit to, I'm just going to listen to the album, whether I love or hate it. Like you're going to yep. end up hearing something that like, whether you may be familiar with it, like, Oh, I know one song off this. I know the artist, yep. whatever. I, this isn't something I would ever think just put on for myself. Yep. Maybe you find something you like in there. Maybe you well, hate it, but you've had the experience. Like whatever. Sure enough. Sure enough. So, like, the first album was a Miles Davis album, which I had never listened to, like, specifically sat down and listened to his music, and I very much enjoyed it. And the second one, and I committed, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm Listen not to the skipping. Whole album. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm also not, like, skipping over one entirely. I'm just going through it. And I was like, the next one was Elvis, and I don't, I've never really cared for Elvis. And um, I think it was his first album. And I was like, well, I'm in it, so let's do this. I listened to it, and I was like, mm, I kind of kind of liked it. I, there was just like, there were, I guess, the, like, the mainstream stuff that I have heard over the years, um, like songs of his that you hear over and over again. I mean, maybe I just didn't care for those or the style or whatever, but like these kind of worked for me. I liked the style of them. I liked the sound. It was really enjoyable. And it So is that the from, more, like, bluesy stuff? Uh... <sighs> It's rock and roll. It's early rock and roll. It's like the def. It's like the defining time of rock and roll. Was it? It's got. It's got blues influence, but it's it's faster paced and it's. I don't want to say heavier. Um, I was gonna say, is that? Um, I'm gonna possibly show my ignorance on. So is that is that one like like rockabilly? Is that what they like called that then? Or like where it's kind of like the I the I have no idea. The transition from like as like rock music, like proto rock music was becoming a thing and it was drawing really heavily on country music. Like, isn't that what that is? Let me or see. Let me see if it actually what, says what genre am I wrong is. on that? I, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about genres or when they became 
um, popular. Uh, hang on, hang on. Rockabilly is, is a is a subgenre of rock and roll with roots in the American South during the 1950s. Okay, early Elvis, as its name suggests. Rockabilly. Album. What's that? This album's from okay, 1956. Yeah. As its name suggests, Rockabilly draws on two primary influences: country music and rock music, which at the time of Rockabilly's emergence largely referred to rhythm and blues or R&B music made by black musicians. And I know there's a whole history of some anger at Elvis for appropriating black music at that time, which kind of has been whitewashed historically and now has been brought back to the forefront is to that was kind of what was going on. And on mm-hmm. the side panel of Google here under rockabilly, uh, Elvis Presley is the first face that shows up here. So this is really funny that you say that because the next album that was on the list was a little Richard album. Okay. And on both the Elvis and the little Richard album are the song Tutti Frutti. And I was like, Hey, what's going on here? <laughs> no, I didn't realize that Elvis also sang that. Cause that's a little Richard song for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then I went down this rabbit hole of what happened with this song, and I was like, goodness gracious, something we're not going to get into here, but it's just... Hang on, hang on. Yeah. Did you follow up evoking Little Richard by saying goodness gracious, and not followed up by saying great balls of fire? <laughs> it's a very disappointing you. you just got to leave it out there. It's for you. I'm very, dis- I'm very disappointed That's in you. For you. That's, it's for you to draw the lines. Oh, man. I'm disappointed in you, but not as disappointed as I was in myself in that joke I made and missing the opportunity, which I, of course, corrected later on in the episode. It's a little Easter egg for last week's episode. Uh, speaking of Little Richard, I feel like we've talked about this on the show before, but Mother Goose's Rock and Rhyme. Have you seen that? I I, I don't believe we've talked about it on the show before. Because <laughs> that does not sound familiar to me. Shelley Duvall's Mother Goose's Rock and Rhyme. No. No. Uh, this was another Disney Channel joint, I believe, back in the day. It's some random ass movie that I remember fragments of very vividly because they're, as fragments, they're very creepy. Uh, it's like this whole mashup of of nursery rhymes in this story. I don't even remember what the main character was doing. Uh, I don't. I actually don't remember what the main throughline plot of the movie is, but I do remember that you you cross paths with a bunch of different fairy tales um, and nursery rhymes, and Little Richard plays one of them. <laughs> Let me see if I can find out which. So one. was this? Am I getting this straight? Is this Fantasia with a harder edge? Uh, sure. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Mother Goose's Rock and Rhyme, released in 1990, rated G. There's a crisis in Rhymeland. All the Rhymies, and in parentheses, the character from Nursery Rhymes, are disappearing. Gordon Goose, son of Mother Goose, and little Bo Peep, set off to find them. Okay, this is starting to come back to me. Uh, I'm pretty sure there were some... Yeah, yeah, there's some people in this movie. Uh, Woody Harrelson plays Lou the Lamb. Uh, Art Garfunkel plays Georgie Porgy. Howie Mandel, Humpty Dumpty. Uh, where is Little Richard? Old King Cole. That is who Little Richard plays. Nice. <laughs> Man, uh, I think I might... If this is a Disney joint, it may be on Disney+, Plus, and I do think we should do it. <laughs> oh, uh, it's really bizarre. I, I believe it. It's really... 
really bizarre. But anyway, uh, don't don't quite remember how we got there. Um, Elvis, Tutti Frutti. Elvis, yes. Goodness nope, gracious. Nope, still don't. Oh, goodness gracious, got it. Then the Little Richard. Then <laughs> Right. Cool. Uh, and I may be seeing Maverick at some point in the near future. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair. Cool. What, uh, what else are you consuming? Um, we can keep this week's uh, full cast update very short. It was a very football-centric episode, although they did find a way to start it off with conversations about the intersection between safety deposit boxes, video games. There was something else truly ridiculous mashed in with those things. I don't remember what it was now, but it was fucking hilarious. But most of it was a very football-intensive episode, so not really worth mentioning on this week's episode. But uh, I got a good laugh. The first, like, 15 minutes. The first was the longest cold open I've ever seen. It, I've ever heard in a podcast. It was 14 and a half minutes long, the cold open, before, <laughs> <laughs> before the, the, like, the title song and then the actual episode proper. And the majority of the ridiculous mashup of things was during the, that that cold open. So, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good, right. good listen today at work. I uh, So one last thing on my consumption which we'll probably be doing next week. I finally, finally got to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I'd oh like to boy. try to... Yeah, so I'd like to try and rewatch before we do it, just because there's so much going on in that. Yeah, I just put it on every once in a while until we actually do the episode. And you'll, you'll, you'll watch the whole thing by then. And yeah. I'm going to probably end up watching it again whilst cooking. Hmm. Because um, I've really enjoyed it. So much yeah, to be really had. Ah, oh, what a treat. Cool. You got anything else? Um, no, I think we have one other shared. Um, that's right. Oh, so the, the, the final installment of Obi Watch Kenobi? That's right. At this point, Al and I are going to be discussing Obi Wan Kenobi, the, uh, the Disney limited series, the six part event, if you will. Um, and. We're going to go full spoilers uh, for, at this point. So if you don't want to hear that, or if you're not ready to hear that, you can skip ahead to the next chapter, which will be our flick of the week. I said, one more time, full on, full on spoilers <laughs> for Obi-Wan Kenobi, starting now. What would you think? Overall, overall impressions of the entire that event. It kind of, sort of ended up being what I expected when they announced it. This is deeply unnecessary. Yeah. Um, it's not to say it was all bad. There was definitely some good. Oh, yeah. I agree. But just highly unnecessary. It creates a level of convoluted storytelling that was... That kind of cheapens a lot of yeah. other stuff. Because for the most part, the, there's one thing that we all, I think, attach onto, right? It's the line from Darth Vader. It's yep. been many years since I sensed you. You know, last mm-hmm. time I'm, we met, I was with the learner. And you were the master, and now I'm the master. All that sort of stuff. The handoff is cleanest if they haven't met since Anakin became Darth Vader and they fought on Mustafar. Right. It's been 18 years or whatever. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Now, to be fair, this is about the midway point. So... 
like eight or nine years is also a pretty long time. But it doesn't break that. It cheapens it. Yeah. And so yeah, many other it, things that went along with so. it cheapened all of that relationship as well. I agree. It was... It, unnecessary is, is definitely a great way to describe it. I have... I enjoyed... I very much enjoyed parts of it. Like, yeah. thoroughly. Like, in their... Like, in a vacuum. Yes. Right? Like, I very much enjoyed the fight sequences between them in a vacuum. I really enjoyed... <coughs> oh breaking the mask open and doing that back and forth between Vader voice and Anakin voice was just an oh, that absolutely was cool so. tremendous execution. Yeah. But you think two steps beyond it and all of a sudden it starts to fall apart again. It's fair. It's they shouldn't have done it. No, they no, because all along I said, okay, if you're doing this, then you have an idea that's going to feel really cool and essential. And this was largely not that. Um, right. Some of it was like, cool. Almost none of it was essential. If you if you do it and you explore, like the early aspect of it, like exploring Obi Wan dealing with kind of like a PTSD like syndrome of having di- like done what he did and like leaving Anakin, like just dealing with that. I uh, that was kind of interesting. And if you want to do that, that's cool. If you also want to, um show us Obi-Wan realizing that Anakin is alive if he assumed that he had died. That's cool too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like if you want to explore that area of it. As much as, like, even though the best parts of this show were the confrontations between the two of them and, like, actually being on screen together was executed really well, even though it didn't work story-wise, I, all of that stuff shouldn't have happened. Yeah. And it should have been yeah, those are the things you, I was most concerned about when they, yeah. like, even when they were like, okay, we're doing the show, it's a limited show. I was like, okay, fine, fine. you could find a way to work within those very narrow lines, that's okay. Yeah. And, and Hayden Christensen's coming back. Okay, so maybe flashbacks? Bad flashbacks, dreams? cool. I'm down with flashbacks. I actually flashbacks really, I really enjoyed the flashback of the two of them dueling. Yep. And then that was Darth awesome. Vader's in the show. And it's like, okay, but maybe they'll never meet. Maybe we'll tease it, and then they'll never meet. It's, right. Nope, they fought two, two or three times. Like, they if they if they went six episodes and they kept coming within really close contact, but not actually meeting or not actually crossing paths to the point of like where it's almost ambiguous as to whether or not Obi Wan is still alive. Like I like in Darth Vader, like that could have been interesting, but. Yeah, it's just it, it it got really messy really fast. Yeah. And it's just I don't know just get out of just get out of this window of time. Go somewhere well, else. If you're going to do it, it's it's got to be something largely like Jedi Fallen Order worked because the majority of that story mm-hmm. can exist almost entirely separate of everything we've seen even in that interstitial time of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Right? We had scarcely in our, any overlap until literally the very end of the game in which we got 90 seconds of Darth Vader. Right. Yeah. And like, there's been a bunch of other stories that they've been able to tell in that way as well. Like basically the same thing, you know, for Rogue One, you got a couple of more characters that we've seen in other, whether it be episodes three or four or whatever. But again, they're like the tertiary characters. You didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't see fucking Luke running around and you got one whole second of Leia you got 90 seconds of Darth Vader. Like, it, it's fine. 
Yeah. Well, and also like that was like Rogue One was very much like it makes sense. Like there's there is a cool story to tell up to getting. Yeah, to that, that was point. an essential story, unlike Obi Wan. Right. Like, and it leads it leads into and bolsters an existing story. Whereas there was nothing to lead into here because the whole point was that they hadn't crossed paths. So yeah. they created this fake thing. Obviously, the whole thing's fake. It's all made up. But they created this thing that doesn't fit. Contrived. It's contrived. In, yeah. In this. It's just. It just doesn't feel. It It feels like a really odd choice because it doesn't. Like, ha- I'm kind of confused as to how we got here because it seemed like things were being controlled pretty well up until this point. Yeah. Uh, I heard one person on the of this is like, this show feels like something like, I have a bunch of cool ideas, let's make it into a show. And when you put, like, it ends up less than the sum of its parts. Yeah. You know? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll draw again another parallel between this and Rogue One. <clears throat> In episode four, we hand off the plans for the Death Star in an attempt to take it down. Which raises the question, how did they get those plans? Mm-hmm. That's a question that you could argue whether or not it needs to be answered, but there should be an appetite. Something had to have gone on for them to get those plans, right? Sure. Could be something small, could be something big. Something happened, something went down. There was intrigue, whether it be action or just machinations and intrigue, something's going on there. There's a story you can tell. It could be a war movie, which is what they got. It could have been a hardcore, like a, a hard-boiled spy movie. Like it could have been a bunch of different things. Yeah. Either way, there's a story there. There's another question that's raised in episode four. What's Obi-Wan been doing for the last 18 years? Mm-hmm. You don't need that answer. No. I don't know what the appetite for that answer is, because in the best case, like, nothing. Nothing. Right, I was going to say, not much. That's the point. Yeah, because the like for him to have just been on Tatooine for 18 years is entirely plausible, because, you know, mm-hmm. he's been watching Luke the way he said he was going to in exile, and drawing a low profile. There doesn't have to be an interesting or exciting story there. There has to be an interesting or exciting story as to how we stole the plans of the Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. It's just kind of, it's kind of a bummer just because when I think about it, I think like there are some fun things that happened in the show, but it really just makes me think like, it's just like a why. Yeah. And also, I'm I'm not usually one to be like, oh, why did they make this? It's more so like you... You're act. It's like almost like active sabotage, because everything else still kind of worked. It just kind of just starts to unravel pieces of it for un- for no re- for no real benefit. Like, yeah, it, because the other storylines not that compelling. Like the it's kind of like it was cool enough. Like the whole, um, what is it? Third sister, yeah, was a youngling and whatever and then like of Vader's like I knew it was you all along ha 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 whatever all of that was was compelling enough and to the point where the Grand Inquisitor doesn't kill her <laughs> like she didn't kill him like she should have been dead in that scene and that should have been it because the whole going after Luke f- for no real reason and then stopping before kill like it doesn't it it didn't really I understand that they're trying to. It seems like they're trying to build that character up so that it could be something. Um, well, even even that took, but it's not a compelling was, character. What what that took a not compelling character that became compelling and then finished in an utterly confusing and uncompelling way again. Right. Like that went with the whole fucking gamut, right? Because it's like 
early on, it's like, this character's vaguely annoying. I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Then yeah. it's like, oh, the idea, like, that was actually a pretty good twist that yeah, she's they, secretly they did, been hunting Vader this whole time. That was they, cool. They turned it around for me, for sure. Because, like, I, I, if you remember when we first talked about this, I was like, I don't get this. Ca- like, I'm just annoyed by her. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah. When they revealed all that, I was like, that's pretty sick. Yeah. And then they took it. They, they you know, Big Ben clock. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole, yeah, the whole final episode, her arc in the final episode makes no sense and like no. it's a shame because the revelation was really cool the fight between her and vader was cool despite the fact that he was just well maybe it's cool because he was toying with her and we got to see mm-hmm. the player of the lightsaber a little bit do the all the fun stuff along with that and then just the utterly disdainful way that he kills her and the mic drop moment that the grand inquisitor gets but all along i had said this makes sense considering the grand inquisitor just literally can't be dead so we always do right. <laughs> the amount of hand wringing that was going on in the weeks between it's like Guys, the show's not fucking over yet. If the credits roll and he's still dead, by all means, be mad. I'll be there with you. But like, yeah. that's not how television works. They're telling a long form story. You don't get to be mad about the end result of a story until it's ended. Like, right. you could be <laughs> upset about this, that, and the other thing. I don't like the direction, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like, that was clearly meant to be a shocking cliffhanger type of moment. Mm-hmm. let's wait to see how that plays out. When the credits roll, <laughs> let's have a accounting for all of that. That being said, and maybe this is, well, first of all, like, this show played like fan fiction anyway, so why why can't I do some fan fiction myself? You, you could have that whole storyline, be the super cool reveal, mm-hmm. the cool moment, because it's kind of a cool moment of Vader like, did you, really, did you really think I didn't see that coming? Yeah. Like, and also a great line, he was very clever to use you against me. Like it, yeah. was, it was good, but you know how that's that that line that scene gets really cool though, and ties up the story in a way that makes sense thematically, and is in the way that like good storytelling goes is when she goes to strike Vader, his back is still to her, and another lightsaber comes out from the side, and it's the mm-hmm. Grand Inquisitor, and Vader pits the two of them against each other, and then the Grand Inquisitor kills her. And as she's dying, he goes, did you, did you really not think that we saw this all coming? Like, yeah, I'm Darth Vader. Like, come on. And she <laughs> dies there. Vader, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's a great story arc for her. Like, okay, this was an incredible gambit, but you just fell short. Grand Inquisitor comes back and reestablishes himself as the way that we yeah. know he has to because the Rebels hasn't happened chronologically yet. Yeah. And you still get that cool moment without whatever the fuck the whole Luke thing was. Yeah, man. It's like they felt the need to bring him into it. It's like it was just all a reason to get Ben back like back on Tatooine and give him a ship. It's like we get it. It's the ship from episode four. We get it. It's the toy he plays with. Like you showed it to me three times. I understand. Obi-Wan's gonna give it to him at some point. Don't you don't even have to show it to me. I get it. You're giving it to him. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> and there's so much bad and messy in all of that. But I will say, allow me to appreciate the whole picture for what it was. I actually like that moment that Owen and Baru got. Mm. That was actually kind of cool, despite the fact that the, to get to that moment, you needed a mile to walk across a mile of shit. But yeah, it was cool to see them defend their home, defend Luke. Shows sure. like, considering I always thought they kind of, well, in episode four, Owen's been crusty since he was seven years old, right? So, like, yeah. whatever. And he's only getting more and more so the older he gets. But you can see he cares about Luke, even if he's not great at showing it. But Baru, you knew that she loved him and cared about him and all that. And to see 
the younger version of them. And, and it just, it, I thought it gave them some appreciation. They were underappreciated characters. Yeah. They did their job under incredibly difficult circumstances. They paid for it with their mm-hmm. lives. They deserved a moment in the sun, or in this case, the impossible to see through darkness. And like, even, even that, right? Like, even if you focus on Obi-Wan being on Tatooine and maybe some side, some tangential stories that are like Owen and Brew and, and Luke and like maybe some issues they run into with whether it be Tusken Raiders or something along those lines, like, and maybe Obi-Wan helps them every once in a while when things are getting a little hairy just so that they all stay safe. Like that's fine. And that could be what he was doing for 18 years. And that would make sense. Yeah. It doesn't, it really, it really ruins that, that encounter in a new doesn't way. ruin it cheapens it cheapens it all yeah well yeah che- whatever use whatever word you want like it doesn't it's it, it's not that cheaping it cheapening it is ruining it because up until this point the whole idea being that like yeah it's been it's they have not seen they have not been in each other's path since anakin was obi-wan's padawan like it's i don't know it it's just silly it didn't and again, it's funny because it's like you almost want to give back a little bit because the stuff that they did do between the two of them was so cool. But like you said it before, like it's really cool fan fiction. Yeah, I was always, I was wondering, like you know, early on in the show, like are are we going to see them encounter each other? I think it may have been even something that you had mentioned of like, will it be some sort of like force cave situation where Obi Wan is like training himself to get you know, and he has to kind of face his fears of what happened to Anakin in the form of Darth Vader. Like that would be kind of cool. And I can get on board with that, but this, I, I'm not really on board with the execution. It's just, it, it makes it very clunky. Um, the, the pros do not nearly outweigh the cons. No. And also like we've talked about some of the narrow ways it cheapens or ruins or whatever, but in a, in a wider way, and I'm gonna probably miss some, but I'm gonna kind of just gloss over some of the things I remember because I was I was thinking about this, um, and then it was actually expanded upon and stuff that I hadn't even made association with um, when I was listening to to Rule of Two um, when Amin and and Maze were talking about after the finale. That it may, this show actually becomes kind of even like a cheap pastiche of like so many things in Star Wars because they ended up not just doing homage to or kind of showing like the cyclical nature. Cause there's always been a cyclical circle, like circle type of thing in star Wars where things rise and fall in ways that parallel each other, but they just flat out ripped off a bunch of their own stuff, like self cannibalized the whole mm. as cool as the thing with like the Anakin Vader voice was that whole thing happened in, in rebels when Ahsoka fights him, she mm. chops off part of the mask and they, they blend the, the voices together. Yeah. The Reva hunting down, Luke on Tatooine happened in Rebels. Was Maul Obi Wan? Spoiler: Obi Wan kills Maul finally for the final time when he tries to track down Luke. Right. Um, there was they. I mean, they kind of sort of ripped off the Jedi Fallen Order stuff with the Castle Inquisitorius yep. thing with them fleeing Ooh. and out to the water, water and everything. All that, yeah. Um, and I don't know chronologically which one of those things is supposed to happen first. It doesn't really matter. Um, Reva's story kind of sort of mimics too closely Trilla's also mm-hmm. from Fallen Order um, there was one or two other things I noticed too it's just like we've done this before mm-hmm. so like 
even some of the cool things they did, they weren't even like original ideas. Yeah. I just don't. I think of, I know you weren't big on The Sopranos, but there's a great line in the show. I was, I, I think kind of of the, the line Uncle Junior had, if you're going to come, come heavier, don't come at all. Like, if you're going to do this, do it right. Yeah. But don't do it at all. Because you risk more, the, the risk has outweighed the reward the way you chose to execute it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it's weird. It's just, it's and, just all very weird. And like, talking about cheapening, some of the show looked cheap. Not all of it. Like yeah, we talked about, the trailer did. looked cool as hell, and some of the stuff were, was really well executed, looked really good. Some of it looked awful. Yep. The weird one of the things that looked so strange to me, so off putting, was when they escaped in the ship, and the uh, the Empire is following them and shooting at them, and it's like awkwardly dodging the lasers in like this weird loopy. <laughs> Like U shape pattern that the ship is making. I was like, what I gotta is be this honest. Motion that's happening right now. <laughs> I gotta be honest. That one I won't even call like what I was talking about, like copying or or like pastiche. Like actually, I feel like that was homage. That was pretty clear homage to Empire Strikes Back when the same executor class um, Vader's ship, no, no, or whatever it is, that's chasing the Millennium Falcon. That's fine. I mean, the actual visuals. It looked oh, really bad. Oh, yeah, it looked bad. cheap. But it was like. It was meant to evoke that scene. And, like, I'm actually fine with that part of it. They even remixed that theme that's playing behind that chase scene. Yeah. In it. Like, it's pretty instantly. No, no, that, I thought that was. I'm, f- cool. I'm fine with that. It's just the. It was like the weird. The weird dodging moves that the ship was making. Were- well, I guess that, that's my point is, like, because it was done without CGI at the time, it was done with, like, models, whatever, like. The evasive maneuvers never really looked good in the original Star Wars. They weren't really evading. They were just using their like their shields were just kind of up. That was I feel like that was like how it. That's like kind of the way you could hand wave it away in the older. Oh stuff. no! Like I mean, they remember they made the jokes in uh, I don't know if it was Blue Harvest or something something dark. It was something something dark side because that was the Empire Strikes Back one, um, and it was. Uh, they're talking about uh, like escaping and uh, <laughs> he goes. Uh, I know some maneuvers, and like, what, listing slightly to the left? And <laughs> they cut back to the Imperials on the Star Destroyer, and they go, because you see them just listing slightly to the left, and he goes, whoa, this guy knows some maneuvers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyway, it's over. It's done. I, I really hope they don't do a second season of this. They talked about, like, oh, God, you, and, you and Hayden want to do another season, and it's like, Listen, I get that you guys are still friends and you like doing the show, and I like that you guys are friends. And yeah, that's that's cool. Hay- Hayden was much better in this in his very limited screen time. Which yeah. he, God, he better be. He's forty years old, and we love Ewan. Ewan was a phenomenal actor, super underrated actor. This is a yeah. pro Ewan McGregor podcast, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I love him as Obi Wan. And once again, yeah. he was tasked with carrying on his back material that was not worthy of his effort and he did mm-hmm. it but this time it's not even enough like even his monumental efforts wasn't enough to carry the shit that was thrown on his lap yeah yeah well just, just be better please be better like you have such opportunities if you want to focus on the shows to drive viewership to disney plus because it's slightly cheaper to produce because you need to work through whatever it is you're working through to produce movies and we're still waiting on our flag means Darth and that's all great, but <laughs> just, I don't think it's too much to ask for a certain baseline quality of what it comes down to is 
you can't skimp on writing. Like that is something yeah. that you and I have coalesced around in the last several years. Yep. That when I was younger, I could not appreciate that. I do now. I think it's perfect all the time, whatever, or that my radar is up for every single thing that I consume, but you cannot skimp on writing. Bad writing will tank almost any show yep. or movie that you do. You That's need a true. baseline. Everything doesn't have to be fucking Glenn Garrett, Glenn Ross, or whatever. Like, no, you need a you need you a just need a, a relatively compelling story that makes sense. Yeah, more on That's terrible it. writing in a few minutes. Mm, yeah, and with that, <laughs> let us get into our flick of the week. Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore. Released in 2022, rated PG-13, with a two-hour and 22-minute runtime. Professor Albus Dumbledore must assign Newt Scamander and his fellow partners as Grindelwald begins to lead an army to eliminate all muggles. They can't even write the synopsis well. That's not what happened. Uh, but sure, it might as well have, it's fine, it's enough, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't it's matter. part of what happened, I guess. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Al, give me your hot take. J.K. Rowling wrote one of the most iconic book series of all time. That does not automatically translate to the ability to write screenplays. I can't recall a movie that had more things going on and yet nothing happening. Four out of ten. Oh! Sorry, I just got really excited, we had the same score. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I figured it was gonna be... Pretty close. Mine is what? Wait, what are the secrets? <laughs> uh, I gave it about as much attention and detail as they did the movie. It's just four, four out of ten. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I want to like it because I enjoyed the first one. The second one, not as good, but like each one has been worse than the one before. Uh, it was like uh, uh, okay, all right, all right. Let's see where they go next. And then they did this. And I'm like, wow, no, no, no. Now you've completely lost me. And frankly, you've lost the right to make it because I'm sure they're I'm sure they're done, right? Surely they will scrap the next two that they were playing. Probably. I mean, I know they had said that they'd gotten to the point where it was gonna be a wait and see approach based on how this one did, and I don't know what the box office on this one was. See it's just like it. what were they doing though? Like no, I, think, I have no idea what this movie's about. I read the synopsis. I reread the synopsis of, of it before we recorded. I watched a movie, and I still don't really 100% know what it's about. Well, you know what it is? Um, oh, God, Jesus. They did a... Uh, so, like, I hang feel on, like they were... Hang on. Well, we're on the topic. Got? Sorry. Estimated $200 million budget. Opening weekend, U.S. and Canada, $42 million. Gross, U.S. and Canada, $95 million, Almost $96 million. Gross worldwide, $400 million, Which, ostensibly, that's profitable, but... There is some funny money situation with the worldwide stuff. Like, cause mm-hmm. even when money, when movies are productive, like, you know, profitable, it's not really because I think the amount of money it takes to bring it to market in those. Yeah. Like, and market it in uh, foreign countries, their profit margin is much lower. Right. So, I mean, this is technically still a profitable movie, but uh, this is going to be one of those ones that we're going to probably wait a while before they announce what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I feel like it's probably over. Um, yeah, ultimately, like the, it seemed like from what I remember of the previous movie, which is not a ton, but from what I remember, I feel like they were like starting to lean into some 
interesting things with characters and their backgrounds and their stories. Lestrange, for example. And they did... (laughs) I feel like it was a slap in the face to remove his memory and throw it into the, just throw it into the ether because that's pretty much what they did to the audience. <laughs> it was like, wait, aren't do you have a story to tell there? Not anymore. That's, that's how they executed that. <laughs> I was actually super confused about that situation because so he just decided to remember at the end. I don't, I don't mm. understand. Mm. So he didn't forget that he was working with Dumbledore. He forgot that Grindelwald killed his sister because they removed that memory. So I guess he remembered what he was doing, but no longer knows about the motive. Yeah, and so that's my confusion. Because I thought that's what Grindelwald said. He's like, okay, I get that you're here. Like, you've told me you're here to spy on me. And Yeah. But then he lets him stay? Ah, dude. Like, I guess he appreciated the truthfulness, and that's fine. Maybe he thought... Okay, this is a situation where I can feed the information I want to Dumbledore because I know he's going to be sp- spying on me anyway, so I might as well be a spy I'm aware exists. Like, yeah. That's fine. We've seen things like that in the past, right? Where it's like, okay, I can maybe turn this back the other way. And so let me take away your memories of your sister. So that eliminates the motive. And so wouldn't you find yourself in a situation in which without the motives to do the thing, you'd question why you were doing it and you'd probably stop? Or, you know, it would turn into like a whole thing and instead he mm. just does the right thing for... No reason, because he has no reason to do the right thing other than that guy asked me to. Yeah. And you also get into the nature of, does he not question how and why Dumbledore would ask him to do the thing if he doesn't have associated with why he was brought into Dumbledore's orbit to begin with? I mean, you could argue on his the behalf of his humanity in general, like, oh, this is psychotic behavior. I should probably be stopping this anyway. But you would think he wouldn't sure. be quite as motivated without the personal attachment. Right, right. That, that but then at the end, doesn't he? Does he get his memory restored? I forget. I don't think you can. Can you? Well, probably not. I, I'm just. I just don't remember. Like you watched it more recently than I did. But they, and they, also, yeah, I was tired. The, the, the retcon spell, and it's gone. The retcon spell. <laughs> um. Well, no. So, like, if you remember from the original movies, right? There was yeah. the pensive, which yeah, yeah, Dumbledore and Snape pulled memories out of their own head and dropped yes. it in. You could watch them. But as long as you bottled it back up, like you could you could put it back in. Right. But they didn't do that. It just into the wind. Yeah, he just like tossed it. Yeah. So it's gone now. That's how I see it, at least. Yeah, and that's, I, was, I was wondering if I was misremembering that because it doesn't really make sense to me as a story. No, like, that's it, makes no it makes no sense. Um, I feel like, well, largely, like things that are going on in the movie, like, there's like this whole we're going to be really cagey about the plan so that Grindelwald can't figure it out. Oh, which felt like an interesting way of writing. We don't know how to write this. So that's really funny that you mentioned this because I was super confused by that as well. And you want to know why? Because, like I said, I was really confused by what this movie is about because I watched it like a month ago. Also, super tired watching it across two nights, fell asleep. Some in the first third of the movie mm-hmm. while watching it, but rewound substantially to parts I remembered watching before I fell asleep. Watched it back from there. Still really confused by how he could tell the future and all. It turns out I fell asleep earlier than I thought for like mm-hmm. three minutes and then woke back up, watched several minutes, then fell asleep for like 10 or 15 oh, minutes. Oh, okay. Woke up again, rewound those 10 or 15 minutes, kept watching from there. So okay. I 
had zero recollection of Newt helping whatever that thing was. The Fantastic Beast. The one highlighted in this movie, yes. Yeah. Um, totally forgot that he helped that one give birth and that Grindelwald's forces stole one of them but didn't realize the other one existed. Right. And that also missed the part where Grindelwald killed it to yeah. absorb its ability to see the future. No. Which was a thing he... that it's not supposed to be able to do because it just tells whether you're good or not. No, okay. So I think he kills it so that, yeah, he like got, I maybe did something with his blood, maybe some sort of a spell so that he can get whatever power it has to see the future. But the, uh, the main point about killing it was then to like bewitch it so that it would kneel to him in. Uh, but that was later, right? You know how you vote. Yeah, well, I was saying, that was later. <laughs> Wasn't that later, though? Because I remember that scene, like him like trying to like curse it into being able to do its song and dance routine that he wanted. Well, he killed it instant, like, in, upon arrival. Yeah. So. Did he drown it? Is that what happened? No, he slit its throat. So the other scene was later. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. he, like, took a bath with it or something, and then, like, did some <laughs> magic, and then it kind of sort of pretended to do the thing it was supposed to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but so I saw that scene and I understood that part of it, but I didn't remember because I was asleep. Was the scene where he killed it and stole its ability to see the future, even though it can't see the future, it can just tell whether you're good or not. Um, yeah. And so that explains why he had limited ability to see the future. Now I understand their plan actually slightly better because the whole thing was he can kind of see the future, which means there's a chance that he'll see a snippet of what we're doing. It's kind of like Dune, like early on in Dune, yep. when he's first getting his prophetic abilities and he doesn't understand how it works yet. So he sees all of the possible futures, but he doesn't know what paths lead to the different futures. Mm-hmm. I think that was what was kind of going on. And so their point was, sure. well, if he can only kind of tell what's going on, we'll just make it all super confusing so that if he sees a thing that's happening, maybe he'll know what we're doing or maybe he won't. And that gives us a 1% chance of succeeding, which ultimately they do. Mm-hmm. So, as clunky and sloppy as that is, at least I kind of get that. Like, it's sure. bad, but at least I follow it. Yeah. No, I, I get the point. It's just that, like, what it ends up leading to, though, is a whole bunch of stuff that is garbage. Like, like an, like well over an hour of just random adventure filler. Oh, that's my point. Is there was so much going on in this movie, but nothing happens. Nothing yeah. happened in this movie. The, the plot of this five-arc story was advanced 1%. And ostensibly, since it's one of five movies, it should advance, I don't know, in the 18 to 25% range, right? Yeah. Let's, let's call it an average of about 20% of the story should be. It's what, 1% of the story? Yeah, like, all, like at the end, what, what gets accomplished by, by the, like, this entire ridiculous journey, what happened? Nothing. Because people thought Grindelwald was bad, and they were right. And then the government said, no, he's okay. And they were like, oh, okay. And then the goat kneeled in front of him, and they were like, yay! And then they were like, no, that's a bad goat. This is the real goat. And that didn't kneel in front of him, and they were like, boo. And now everybody thinks Grindelwald is bad again, which they thought before the movie started, so really nothing has changed. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So it hasn't advanced it at all. It actually went backwards. (laughs) No, it it didn't. It didn't go backwards. It It did two steps down and then one step up. It stayed in exactly the same place. The one yeah. percent I'm referring to is the fact that we found out that Credence isn't his brother; he's his nephew. That's one percent. Isn't his brother? 
Isn't whose brother? Isn't Dumbledore's isn't, brother? Yeah, he's his nephew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 1%. Okay, that's fair. And he's gone now, so we don't have to worry about that, right? Yep, all okay, done. So that's done. Um, Wash our hands. That's how you get rid of your... That's how you get rid of your Ezra Miller. That's how, that's how Warner got rid of 50% of its problem. <laughs> Only cost I, $200 million. I listened to something else. I forget who it was. Uh, it was it's like some of the like comedy stuff that people put out. Um, I love these things. Like, you know, like I love pitch meeting and, uh, and non shows and all that stuff. But this one guy was like, it's kind of like, you know how in a movie <laughs> there's a red wire and a blue wire and you're only supposed to, you can only cut one. One of them is the right wire and one of them is the wrong one. It feels like they cut the wrong wire and like they, they put up the graphic of a bomb and they put Ezra Miller in <laughs> on one side and Johnny Depp on the other. <laughs> I just thought that was very silly. I think uh, in this case, they were damned if they didn't. Damn if They needed to cut both wires. Both wires. One of them and said, them they said our problem's been solved. Yeah. 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 Um, and on the note of Johnny Depp, um, we were really excited, probably me more so than you, but we were both generally excited when Mads Mikkelsen was yeah. t- tapped to replace Johnny Depp. And they utterly and entirely squandered an incredible actor. Yeah, which is crazy because given absolute shit material, he still delivered. Yeah, but like, he barely has any screen time. And honest to God, you could have done this movie without him ever actually appearing on screen. No, that's, it's, that's, that is true. I will say that what he does bring to it, though, even though they did not write it well, is that level of charisma. Like He's a fantastic actor. Dude, you... Yeah. I know there's so many things. You have to watch Hannibal. You have to. I know. He's so good in that fucking show. I, 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 definitely, I definitely need to. But I know. Like, there's yeah, a million he, things. Great. He is. It's just... It, I'm just like... The movie's an abomination. And then it just, like, turns into this, like, I don't know, the wizarding world of voter fraud at the end. Like, like I, okay, <laughs> it's fine. Like, I, whatever. Like, like, you don't, not everything needs to be a commentary on what's going on. Like, it could actually just be a story in this wizarding world that takes us away for a little bit into this adventure. It doesn't need to be, I think we've talked about this, like, I don't remember which episode it was on a few back, but it was like, not everything needs to be a commentary. Like, it might not be your place to make it. Maybe just be a movie. Just be a movie. Yeah. So, Warner. Yeah. Warner courageously taking a stance before kind of ultimately running away and saying, "Ah, I don't actually want to tackle this. Yeah. It's like you get those emails from the company. It's like Best Buy sends you an email like, blah, blah, blah. Like, we stand X, Y. It's like, just don't, don't get out of my inbox. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to open that whole can of worms because the level of hypocr- hypocrisy with so many of those things is... It's not even infuriating, it's just disgusting. Like, I feel physically ill sometimes with yeah. those things. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. Uh, you know what? We've been shitting on this movie for, like, 15 or 20 minutes straight. Okay. Let's say something positive before okay. we go back to shitting on it for 15 Eddie minutes Redmayne's straight. Crab Dance. Okay, let's do that one then. I got another positive one we can do a little later then. Okay. Okay. Uh, I I remember seeing the crab dance thing in the trailer and like rolling my eyes, but in the context mm-hmm. of the movie, and maybe it was just the point like where I'd fallen asleep the night before. <laughs> this movie is so <laughs> boring, and also I was tired the two nights I was watching it. Yeah. And so maybe it was delirium, but I actually found that scene entertaining. It was. 
It was very funny. silly, and it was very Fantastic Beast. Like that's that's the best part about this stuff is when you go back to the roots of his character of Newt and his understanding of these animals and like appreciation of them. That stuff is really fun. Like that's the that feels very Harry Potter. That feels like a very big lived in like world that there's a lot of experience. Like whereas everything else seems so shallow and weird. Like this has depth to it in a very silly way. Like he knows how all of these things work. Uh, kind of. He's guessing, which is also amazing. I think he's like. Well, that's I think the whole point, right? Is there's that was the whole point, right? Is that no one has discovered a thing for this. He's had his theories. And he's been thrust into a situation where his life depends on him practicing his theory and finding out what it he, he was. He was and so he's thrust he's into not the scared be- and then started thrusting his hips. Yes, he he was scared, but also extremely excited to test his theory. <laughs> right, there's, there's like a, a childlike innocence to it that I kind of love. And I, as much as I wasn't huge on their relationship for much of the past two movies, um, well, I guess they didn't have a ton of on-screen time together last movie, but this one primarily. Uh, the pettiness of the brotherly rivalry throughout this movie, but specifically yeah. in that scene where Newt and Shipov were figuring out how to get out of the crab situation, I yeah. really enjoyed that. Yeah, that you're not doing fun. it right. I'm doing it to, like if you were doing it like me, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all like leading all the way up to them getting to the exit, and then the brother stepping on one of them was really great. <laughs> it's like oh shit. <laughs> That whole sequence is really good, and even like the cutaways to the the bow truckle and the niffler trying to help with yes. like their end of like getting the wand back and escaping and everything like that, like that was all good. And how that all like collided in the end was fun. The uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the past weeks, but I went to in Philly. There's this exhibit, this um, this like Harry Potter exhibit going on right now, and it's really, it was really cool. Like real, like legit props from the movies and all that stuff. Um, all, and when you go into the herbology section, there's like some interactive pieces within the exhibit as well. And you pull the, <laughs> what is that root that screams? You pull it out mandrake. of the pot. The mandrake. You pull it out of the pot and the actual thing that you pull out screams. And it's really funny. <laughs> like they, like it, there was like one where you made a potion and you had to like select the right things. It was, you, you actually, um, you face that, uh, what's that thing that show- appears as your greatest fear? Boggart. Boggart. You face that in the wardrobe. Uh, it was really, it was a really cool exhibit. But the mandrake was really funny to me because you pull it out and it's like wiggling and screaming. And it's, <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, I know that mandrake, I, 99.9% sure that's not a real thing. Not the screaming plant part, but just like that there is existence of such a But. I do know that that is a thing from other fantasy lore. Mm. And so I stumbled upon it the other day while listening to The Witcher. And there's a very close correlation to their accounting of Mandrakes as to this, where the whole thing about when you pull it out of the ground, does it scream and all that sort of thing, which I thought was kind of like entertaining to see that's that. Great. Also, that's, that story is... I'm still really enjoying those. I know we, we did consumption already, but um, yeah. I'm getting close to finishing the the book I'm on. Um, it was a Baptism of Fire. And it's one of the, since this side of the, the fellowship, it's the most haphazard assembly of people you can ever <laughs> the, awesome. the Witcher, the Bard, who does not do the fighting half of what the Bard is, just the singing part of it. A 
Elf, who was formerly a rebel, who is now like totally divorced of all of the Civil War stuff, a vampire, and a traitor who's joined their ranks to save his own neck, or maybe something more. Um, it's it's quite a collection of, of characters. Um, but back well, to like a not like a, a school teacher. Uh, 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 yeah, pretty close. Uh, baker, <laughs> candlestick yeah, uh, baker, uh, 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 magicless <laughs> baker. <laughs> Two different. Sorry, a school ch- a school teacher, a zoologist. Yeah, <laughs> and a a nameologist, a, medio- a mediocre cop, I guess. <laughs> and, isn't, isn't that what isn't that what Chip of is? Yeah, I, I think so. Was he an enforcer? Right? Yeah. What is I think it? he's an aura, or yeah, maybe yeah. he was just a magical and law enforcement. I don't know. I also, um, I do love Jacob Kowalski, though. I think he's a really funny character. He finally wore thin on me in this movie, and it's not his fault. It's it's not Dan Fogler's fault. It's yeah. it's the writing. Just the whole him and Queenie thing was getting off the rails at the end of the last movie, and then her leaving. Yeah, it's just so against. Like the character was super like positive and bubbly, and she's gonna go join Nazi like like wizard Nazis. Like, come on, yeah. Um, wizard Nazis like like it would be like as if someone joined the Nazi party to save her Jew boyfriend. Yeah, like it. That's not that's not how that works. <laughs> Especially when you like, it's not even like it's not even like it's not even like Wizard Hitler was like, okay, like yeah, we won't kill your boyfriend. We're just gonna kill the rest of them because they keep trying to kill her wizard boyfriend. Hitler. Amongst all of it, to keep trying to kill her boyfriend. So, like, I don't know. And yeah. he's his character is supposed to be depressed, but they don't do a great job of writing him as depressed. And, mm-hmm. like, he's mostly just love struck. And he's supposed to be the comedic relief, but they kept forgetting to write him jokes. So, the only time right. you laugh is when it's just Dan Fogler doing Titanic Ewan McGregor levels of work. And yeah. so, I just, it just wore thin for me. I just didn't care. I wanted him and that storyline to go away because it was in a terrible script, some of the worst writing of all of it. It's like, mm-hmm. that used to be an entertaining part of these movies that sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. Yeah, I, it's yeah. just flat out not working. <laughs> Probably the best part of the movie is when he drank that, whatever that was at the bar, and he made that really silly laugh. <laughs> well, I really... Again, that. which is like, like nothing to do with the movie and everything to do with not, Dan Pogler. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, man. That's a shame. Yeah, I, 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 as I was watching the movie, and I like, I remember, I remembered that Queenie was obviously with uh, Grindelwald by the end of the last one, but I was couldn't remember the why, and I'm sorry, I was trying to remember the whole time the why, and like, how did this happen? Why are they not together anymore? Why is she with? Why is she a Nazi now? And, and then I was just like, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> and I didn't even look into it. I don't. I didn't look into finding out, what, remembering what happened in the previous movie. <laughs> also, super important character from the first two movies, Tina yep. got a promotion. She's not in the movie anymore. Yeah. Like what? That. This is her fight as much as anyone's. I believe that may have to do with her um, stance on working on something with J.K. Rowling. Was it? Yeah, I think so. From I, I saw something in passing that that might have been why. Okay, like, I, I didn't know actually. I, I didn't. I had no idea yeah. that that was. I, I guess I, I can't say I'm terribly surprised, but I had no knowledge of that situation. I, I think I had mentioned a few weeks ago when we that I paid zero attention to the production and marketing of this movie. Yeah. Um, other than that, <laughs> Matt Mickelson had been cast. But yeah, super important character. It now has a better job. 
so is no longer it, we don't we don't need her to save the world. <laughs> but also, she still shows up at the end of the movie. Right. All right, I'll throw you a bone. So uh, is that just a no? My guess is that's a contractual obligation that she had to be in. Most likely. That sounds which right. sucks because like that character was fine. Yeah, but even still, like it just threw a total wrench into the whole dynamic of the thing, and like narratively. That character is as important. Like, I'm honestly surprised they didn't just recast her because, like, yeah. that's her fight as much as anyone's. Like, hell, you fucking recast your main villain. You're not going to recast recast one of your main ensemble. Also, no, she's just busy. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> hey, the audience can't see, but I'm hand waving Alloway, <laughs> just like the movie did. <laughs> you know what I really liked? What are the? <laughs> I love when they when they are all getting ready to go through the port key. They each have to grab one of the cases, and Kowalski goes to grab one, and Dumbledore's like, no. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> and it's like, and it, it, you know, it's kind of like a, it's very Princess Bride, like, okay, but why not that one? Because he should have the one that has it, or we don't want him to have the one that has it. Surely <laughs> he doesn't have the one now that has the thing, because otherwise <laughs> he would know, and he wouldn't do things in the right way. It was part Princess Bride with a dash of Marcus Brody. So surely I couldn't put the poison in front of you. Yeah, but also, you wait. You gave you gave the map to Marcus. <laughs> I watched. I watched the. Uh, I, I finished watching the Last Crusade the other day because I had started um, a while back. And my goodness, it's so good. <laughs> oh, it's phenomenal. Um, I love it. Let's talk about another positive thing from this movie. It's one of the very sure. short list of things positive. I have really appreciated, and the vast majority of this evolution has happened under Watch, because he took over directing the Harry Potter movies at the fifth movie. Yeah. And from that one on, it started a little bit the, the movie before it, but really in earnest started in episode five, movie five, whatever, Order of the Phoenix, wizard duel stuff. The evolution from Order of the Phoenix, where they learn how to duel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then continue to extrapolate it on 6 and 7 and 8. And then continue on through this. Some of the fight scenes in this were really cool. Specifically, mm-hmm. I thought this the fight between Dumbledore and Credence mm-hmm. was really cool. That was cool. And their evolution of how they've continued to extrapolate on that and show us new things. Especially when Dumbledore himself is the one who's fighting. Because... We know that two things. One, and they're inter- interlinked. He has an aversion to killing. He will not do so unless he absolutely has to. Two, because of his brilliance and magical power and his lack of desire to kill, he finds the most clever and creative ways. He does things that are hard to even conceptualize magically from all the other things you've learned being a Harry Potter fan. So watching his, anytime he fights is cool as shit and the way that Yates has continued to push the envelope with that I think is really yeah I I, I would agree with that it's they made, it does it made for some pretty great scenes too yeah one of the but aside from thematically being a really cool thing to keep a through line on like as you go through this thing looked great yeah um so I you know I want to give props to that because like it's, a, it's one of the few scenes that kept like <laughs> me watching the movie mm. <laughs> so like we could do the episode like I if we're going to do it, I'm not going to just, like, turn off. I very rarely turn off the thing. I, if I'm going to watch it or read yeah. it or play it or whatever, like, I just want to finish it and have 
It's not even sunk cost out. Like I, I, I want to appreciate or criticize the whole work for the whole piece. Yep, merits or lack thereof. Like, and doubly so if we're doing it for the show. I, I'm not going to come onto the show and say, "Oh yeah, Anthony, I gave up watching the movie half an hour left." <laughs> like, it's not fair. We're doing the show. Like, let's talk about it. Whether even if yeah. we're going to complain about it, would like, not have even in my own personal life. I'm not going to just turn off. A, like, if I'm going to turn off a movie, it's going to be the first like ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. I, I'm not going to make it sixty percent of the way and then not finish it. Yeah. With what else you got on the sucker? So the secrets of Dumbledore. Yeah, what are they? The secret, well, one of them we've known for a long time, and it's that Albus was a proto-Nazi until he realized what Nazism looks like, and so he gave up on that. But this blood truce thing, which was never touched on, although I suppose you could kind of hint at it obliquely from the original books, why he wouldn't go against Grindelwald. That being one of them, but we kind of sort of already knew that he was a part of this whole thing. That was a big deal in not so much in the movies, but in book seven, mm. the detail, the fact that he was part of Grindelwald's first coming up with these ideas before he put them into action. But seeing what that actually looks like, hearing them talk about it mm-hmm. is the first part of it. And that's interesting. It's understandable why now finally... Watching the last movie, it's like, well, why the fuck isn't Dumbledore just getting directly involved? And it's like, it can't just be that he kind of has this continued tortured love of Grindelwald, right? It's right. going to be something more, and here it is, and literal, and like, fact. And it's like, okay, that's that's fine. It's good to get that out in the open now. So that's a secret. The other one, obviously, I mean, I was furious when it happened in the last movie, and that's fine now. It's just super clunky. Obviously, we can't introduce another secret sibling. like. In the books, Albus mentioned that he had a brother, Aberforth. It ends up being a revelation that Aberforth is the cranky bartender of the shitty bar in Hogsmeade. That's all fine. We find out late in that series that he has a sister who had died. The the biggest reason why him and his brother don't talk anymore. That's cool. But you don't get to have another secret family member that they swept under the rug. Like, you get to keep doing that when it's like another sibling. So, but the fact that it's Aberforth's son is fine. It's super clunky, but... But what I don't it, really fully understand about that, though, is, like, that's why him and his brother don't talk anymore, but similar to... <laughs> no, no, I won't bring that up, because that would be spoiler territory for the previous section that we said was a spoiler But, like, but they're talking in this... Yeah, but they don't... They clearly don't get along. They don't, but they're... It's, I feel like the, the impression that I got is, like, that they really do not communicate, I guess, like, after a certain point, but, like, I don't know. It, it seems like they maybe are in a little bit more... They're a little bit they're closer just, than we're led to believe. They're just... By the time they get older, they're super distant, despite the fact that they live approximately one mile apart. Yeah. Um, but I, I... From a certain point of view, if you want to make the facts fit, mm-hmm. him forcing... And this is just my supposition. Him forcing Aberforth to recognize his son, and then his son dying right after that Hmm. the level of emotional turmoil within the already withdrawn Aberforth you can understand how that would be a straw I'm gonna need two movies to to break that down for me well you got maybe (laughs) one or two more to do it (laughs) (laughs) but it's also it's it's a combination of that's fair right well because I you're right it, the point we're seeing them here is clearly already after the death of Ariana, their sister. Mm-hmm. And you would think the way that the 
books were written, it felt like that was the final straw in their relationship, where they had already butted head some before that. And Aerforth never approved of Grindelwald, and always felt like he was living in Al- Albus's shadow, because Albus is possibly one of the most brilliant wizards to ever have existed. Mm-hmm. And just watch him and Gellert act like they were better than everyone else and above it all. And hey, Albus, by the way, you think you're better than everyone else and you and your boyfriend almost started magical Nazism. And hey, look, he went on and carried your work and did it himself and you stood by and watched until you were forced to get involved, right? Yeah. And by the way, your relationship caused the death of our sister. So you can understand right then and there why things are super tense between the two of them. And in the books, it makes it very clear that things were never the same after the sister died in the middle of their three-way fight. Yeah. So it works to just have it carry on from there. But now you're kind of retconning that. But it's not super offensive, right? Because it's like, okay, fine. We were not super close. That drove us further apart. But in our loss and grief, we're still in each other's lives, even if it's not super comfortable. But the final straw could be you making me finally like acknowledge my feelings and acknowledge my son and then to have that ripped right back away from me again. Mm. It's just like a, a bridge too far at that. Point. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Like that's fine. Of the many I, terrible I, writing I'll, I'll things that. in this movie, that's honestly it seems reasonable. The, uh, I can't remember. Do they explain how, um, things end it, it, between Grindelwald and, Dumbledore in the books? Uh, kind of obliquely. Um, like, you mean as to, like how Grindelwald was finally apprehended and put in prison for like 70 years? Well, I guess ultimately, like, how, yeah, well, how does how does Dumbledore get the wand? So, again, they were kind of sparse on the details, but basically, like, Grindelwald's rising to power, Dumbledore kind of sort of set it out because he didn't want to get in the mix or maybe he couldn't get in the mix. They talk around that. Mm-hmm. And finally, Dumbledore is roused to action, fights him one-on-one, defeats him. Grindelwald's sent to prison. They never talk about the fact that, Grind- that Dumbledore took his wand until the search for the Deathly Hallows when he finally puts two together that he has. But he, oh, it's just that he defeated him in the duel but didn't kill him. But he that gives him... Control. Yeah, the so they, they talk about it. They they give all the details, but in brief, in the two Deathly Hallow movies, they talk about it much more detailed than the books. To defeat a wizard in hand-to-hand combat, well, not hand-to-hand combat, single combat, you can claim their wand. Uh, Death is okay. not required, but that's the surest okay. way to do it. Okay. Because it, it turns into this whole big storyline over and over and over again with all this stuff as they're trying to tra- track the lineage of different wands and specifically yeah. the elder wand. Um, because in the end, right. Vol- Voldemort gets it because he takes it from Dumbledore's tomb. Um, finds that it's not working super well. And is like, okay, why isn't it working well? So he tracks down Ollivander to explain the, yeah. uh, the way the wands work. He tells him you got to win. Yeah. No, I, I, That's why I he remember all that, but the... I thought it came down to that. You had to kill the person, not that you could, no, you, you didn't have to, but the history of the Elder Wand was because it was so powerful, people were driven to kill for it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because okay. there's a whole thing, like, in the book, they explain this actually much better than in the movie. Um, when Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Luna were held captive by the Malfoys, and Voldemort was going to show up to 
to finish things. Mm-hmm. And Wormtail breaks them out, and they're escaping. Harry, like, cold clocks Malfoy. <laughs> like, yeah. literally punches him out mm-hmm. and takes the wand. And that was enough to gain dominance of the wand. Oh. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's coming back to me. Cool. Okay. I get it. I'm down with that. Um, yeah, we get this. I, the ending on the top of the mountain stairs with the bowing of the goat. That whole thing was just so bizarre. And then everybody was like, oh, yeah, like, cool. It bowed in front of this person. Great. And then, <laughs> no, that's the wrong one. Like, just the, that little switch. Okay, here's the real one. Oh, it bows in front of this person. Boo, Grindelwald. But then also, like, he bowed in front of Dumbledore, which I thought was really funny. And he's just like, fuck no. <laughs> just no, 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 no. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> you got the wrong guy. Nod, <laughs> it's, it's a nod to what had been going on yeah. cyclically throughout his, his life, where I think it's kind of the way maybe that an alcoholic happens, where it's like you have this rush of excellence and love and joy of what you're doing, mm-hmm. and then you realize... Oh God! Is I not not one who hits rock bottom, right? But one who's like, okay, that that was too much. I can't control myself with it, no matter how much I enjoy it. So I'm just gonna stay clear of it entirely. That's Dumbledore's whole thing. During Voldemort's time, they want him to be the Minister of Magic. He yep. keeps declining because he yep. knows, given too much power, it's like the Gandalf thing when when Frodo tries to give him the ring. Yeah, it's like no, no. I would try and use this for good, and it's gonna end up corrupting me, and I'm gonna fuck everything up. I can't do it. Yeah. I know my limitations. The same thing with Dumbledore. Like, oh, I was hot shit and I accidentally started wizard Nazism. Don't mm-hmm. give me this power. I'm going to teach kids. <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to teach kids. Uh, yeah, it's not like the most excellent and amazing and glorious uses of my powers and intellect, but like I can do so much more good there and I can only cause so much harm because like I don't care about the power aspect of being headmaster. I just love magical intelligence and brilliance. And I'm going to just make sure kids can do the best they can with that. Like, (laughs) there's a limit to what you can, like, gain from being the headmaster. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't want want all that power. Look, I'm a teacher. I just met this kid named Tom. I'm going to teach him some cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that, That makes sense. I just thought it was funny. I like the idea that it happened, and I do... I appreciate that that all comes through in that performance. Also, Jude Law does a tremendous job, I think, as Albus. I, again, it, the, the performances are actually pretty great. It's just the yeah. right. Oh, another it's tremendous fresh. actor who's given shit to work with. Yeah. Um, is and it's hard to fuck up the character of Albus Dumbledore, but they come damn close to doing it here. Or like, like yeah. not like, like it's just like you didn't give him much to do. And we're talking about Albus fucking Dumbledore. And you gave him a decent amount of screen time in this one, unlike even the last one. Yeah. Um, and as far as like the whole end fight with Grindelwald, and he just decides, yeah, I'm going to get out of here real quick. Um, so we got two more movies to deal with the fallout of that. I guess. Him just escaping to live to fight another day. But like you said, it came back full circle, except now he doesn't even have a power base. Right. So is he going to, I mean, I guess if you're inclined to do wizard Nazism, maybe you'll just clamor for it. Like, you're going to lose the neutrals, but you're going to keep the hardliners, maybe, and rebuild that power base. 
Yeah. Or whatever. Um, maybe he just decides to go. I guess the way, considering how much they've teased the lead up to it. So what is he? I mean, he spent a decent amount of time in Germany in this movie. Does like does he go and find Adolf Hitler and precipitate world war? Like I hmm. to like get to the back because oh, no. that was the whole thing, right? Is like he's like, oh, a Muggle tries to assassinate me. Let's kill the Muggles. Like yeah, that was his like smoking gun a la World War One Franz Ferdinand assassination situation. Like this is our <laughs> justification for war. Like now he's gonna just what tip off the events of World War II and be like, hey, look, the Muggles did the thing with the nuclear bomb. Let's kill them. Yeah. See, I told you all along. Like, where do you go? Like, they didn't no, leave any threads no to idea. follow. They didn't leave any threads to follow in the next movie. No. The first movie let a th- left threads to follow to the second movie. The second movie it's, left threads to follow to the third movie. There's nothing to follow. It's almost like they knew that they didn't have anything good, so they had to end it where it could be over. Uh, I guess. Man, it's really it's really bizarre. But I mean ultimately if another one comes out I will end up watching it because I enjoy the music, I enjoy the themes, I enjoy a bunch of the characters, but <clears throat> and it's included on HBO Max. Um <laughs> but otherwise I'm just it, it it's a bummer cuz like I like I said I re- really enjoyed the first one and I was I was okay with the second one, but the this really this was this was a hot mess. Yeah, I mean, it's a disturbing trend. I, I would have given the... I mean, we did the first one for the show. I don't remember what I graded it. I don't remember if we were doing numerical craze at that point. Like, I don't know, a six or seven, right? Like yeah. That, it was fine. Solid. The one after that, probably a five or a six. Yeah. And this one's pretty firmly a four, if not lower. Yeah. And Yikes. what's the next one going to be? <laughs> not, it's nothing, because it's not coming out. <laughs> oh. You have anything? Any other closing thoughts on this movie? I don't think so. Like I said, I was bored it, early on. Yeah, it just makes me want to rewatch the Harry Potter movies. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I catch them still. They're on TV all the time. I love. So I, I love them a, so much. A bit here, a bit there, on occasion. Yeah. I almost want to reread everything again, even though I did it for the first time not that long ago. <laughs> it's funny how that happens, where yeah. you want to just get back into it. So, and it's so like good. such a commitment. It's so good. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespinchoon.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Casanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for watching.